Welcome to another edition of Mass Mats and Ma'am. I am your host, the Outlaw LA Red. You can find me on Twitter at JustinHarvey75. You can find the entire show on Twitter at MMMShow75. You can find Byron Fever on Twitter at Byron Fever. And you can find the original Lucha Gringo at ah. Lucha Gringo. That guy you can find at Across the World. Is that right, Kevin? That is correct. And if you find him, be very, very careful because you may or may not like what you find. That's um, correct. So, yeah, we're joined today by Kevin Cross. He's got a shit ton of stuff going on. Like, since the last time we talked to Kevin, which wasn't even that fucking long ago, Kevin has apparently decided to start massacring and destroying people from continent to continent. Um, We've also got some interesting stuff to talk about with Lucha Underground because there's a lot of rumors flying around out there. um, And I'm going to hopefully lay some of those to rest. Um, or maybe I'm just going to start more shit. I don't know. After last week's episode and the amount of shit I took in DMs and fucking nasty phone calls and people in positions of power trying to shut me up and people not in positions of power just fucking mad that I have an opinion. Like, Christ's sakes, I never said I was a fucking baby face, guys. I just call them like I see them, try to tell the truth, and then whatever happens fucking happens. And I don't give a shit. If they pull the it plug on my show... Justin. Why did Robert... That? Rodriguez tell you to go fuck yourself. That was like a little harsh. That's well, mean. you, you <laughs> know, funny. you know, it's uh, it wasn't about the band. I like the band. the The music is really, really good. It was probably some of the things I said about the network, and maybe some of the things I'm going to say about the network tonight. I don't know. I want the network to keep guys like uh, Mr. Cross here employed. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. All right. We're not going to get you in trouble though, Kevin. So none of these opinions are reflected by by Mr. Cross over there because honestly, I like my limbs kind of where they are. Approximately. Oh, anyways, so I mean, whatever happens, happens. I'm just expecting <laughs> helicopters to descend on my property anytime now. So, yeah, which might happen, which very well could happen, especially the way you're like murdering people on two or three, you know, different countries now. You know, there's some extradition papers out there for you. Some some things might be headed your way, but we'll get to that. <laughs> Um, all right. So look, I know, uh, like, I can't make Lucha blog wait too long. Here's the deal. I want everybody to do some math with me here. When last Lucha Underground took a hiatus, and we're talking about the, the taping hiatus, not the television uh, created mid-season hiatus deal. I'm talking about from, from actual live shows and performances. Let's do a little bit of math. From the green light to the moment they were able to get back in the temple and do the damn thing is about four months. Every time, Lucha Underground's looking at about a four-month lead-up. So if you do the math from today, if there was a green light today, and you went four months ahead from now, would that get you back in the temple by October? I don't think so. It would not get you back in the temple by October. So I will say this. I will say the things that I know, and you guys can take them for what you want to take them for. First of all, The warehouse has been reserved. It is being held. It is being held for Lucha Underground. That is the sign of a show that is coming back into that building. There will be a season four of Lucha Underground. Now, when and what that season is, there's still some debates to be had there, and you guys can feel free to have them at your fucking leisure. I don't give a fuck. I'm just giving you what is absolutely provable that's out there right now. A, we know it takes four months to get up and running. We know that Lucha Underground has not been in the temple and the whole fucking building needs a reset back to being that set. Plus, you got to get everyone's visas and everything in order. So if 
if there was a green light for Lucha Underground, say the middle of last month, yes, the October 13th, 14th dates or whatever that have been floating around out there would be absolutely 100% true. However, that has not officially happened yet. The official complete green light on season four is not a done deal as far as anyone knows. There's no one out there that can confirm to you that a price has been set per episode, um, you know, an air date has been set, and that there is an official green light. But I can tell you this, that also doesn't mean that people need to worry about whether or not Lucha Underground's coming back. It's coming back. MGM freaking loves this thing. MGM wants to be in the wrestling business. In fact, MGM wants to be in the wrestling business so bad, they're getting involved with WOW, with the women's wrestling. And if anyone's been watching Glow on Netflix or knows anything about how popular that's become, that's a fucking smart move on MGM's part. They want to be in the wrestling game. They want to expand their universe. Lucha Underground isn't going anywhere. MGM has the TV rights. <clears throat> now... Somebody has to pay them for those TV rights and put the show on the freaking air, give them green lights, and let them off the fucking leash to make the goddamn show that we all want to see. Correct? Correct. And you don't need Hell to agree right. with me or disagree with me because these things are fucking facts. This is how TV works. People have to buy seasons, they have to allot a budget, and then the show has to go and get made. There needs to be pre-production. People need to get visas. The temple has to be rebuilt. And there's no saying that that October 14th or whatever date can't be hit, but most likely it won't be hit at this point in time. Now, talent should be pissed about that. They should be because they're getting, they're getting held over maybe again. But at the same time, talent also shouldn't be worried. It is coming back and people are going to get good pushes and they're going to get good exposure. They're going to get great storylines. Good things are going to happen. And I'm sitting right here with one of the baddest men that's going to be in that fucking building. And I'm probably telling him for the first time some of this stuff. Like, look, Kevin wants to fucking work. He wants to murder people on their faces. He likes to do that. Everybody likes it when he does that. Most people who are smart, at least. So the thing is, it has to work a certain way and it has to work a certain way for a lot of people, but it is going to work because those people stand to make money. Those people like the product. There's a reason why everyone said that the Lucha Underground thing was a family. And yes, there's some discontent in the family. Now there's some issues. Some guy named King something or other was over with some Japanese guys talking some shit. That's fine. He can talk his shit. Like nobody's Wait, even mad at him. is talking shit. No, what? not that king. Not that king. Mabel talking shit. I thought he was dead. No, no, different king. Different king. And not Harley Race. Okay. Different king. Nah, dude. If Harley Race talks shit, you fucking listen. He's automatically let him, right. Let him do it. All right. So yeah. we're doing the math here. We're doing the math here. If Lucha Underground gets a green light, and believe you me, when Lucha Underground gets a green light, I'll know. Most of you will probably know. They'll probably drop an announcement before I could even get the scoop. My, the announcement will probably drop and then my phone will ring. Like, look, it's going to come back, though. And it should be back on El Rey. I don't see any reason why it won't be. But, you know, there's some things going on. There's obviously some things going on because it hasn't been officially announced yet. It's that simple. But it's not, it's not a big deal. Like. Another month, 
Is that really a big deal? Who knows what they got going on over there? Who knows, like, if, you know, they got to bring in a whole construction crew to fix up the temple or they're just trying to work out the budget. It's probably something that minor that's just above all of our pay grades. And they just don't run like a wrestling company. So it boggles everyone's mind. But this shit happens in TV all the time, people. All the freaking time. So take this math for what you will. From the day that you hear that there's that green light for Lucha Underground, give it four months because it's taken them that long to get everyone's visas and the stage set up and get the cameraman employed, get the scripts all dialed in. From the day that you hear go on the green light for season four, give it four months. Just do that for me and you'll be a happier person for it. And until then, wrestlers, take your bookings. Fans, go to other shows and still support this product if you can. And just know that this TV show, not wrestling company, will be back four months from the day that you hear season four is a go. And don't worry about MGM getting rid of it. It's not happening. For all the people that wanted to get gotten rid of, fuck you. Never happening. Mark Burnett loves the product. MGM loves the product. Everybody who works for the product loves the product. It's not going anywhere. And uh, I want to point out how fucking major that wow news is you just dropped there. Because I know a lot of people really fucking liked WoW and were sad when it died. And a lot of people liked Glow, so that's kind of cool. Well, uh, now, I hope so, you were allowed to say that. Well, here's, no, here's what I can say about WoW. <laughs> um, it looks like they've partnered up with MGM to, to try to find their way back on broadcast television. WoW still exists as a product. Um, you know, they tape it out mm-hmm. here in, in Hollywood sometimes. David McClain's still involved. He's still doing a lot of the same stuff that you know, he brought to Glow. Um, with varying levels of success, honestly, you know, I've seen some of the products, some of it's been good, some of it's not, some workers are great, some are super green. It's realistic. But at the same time, with the hype that's going on around women's wrestling, with the hype that's going on around the the scripted show Glow, clearly there's a, a place in the market for a product like that, or at least somebody should be investigating it. Like, this is the guy who was there at the forefront of Glow, and if Glow had any kind of magic or juice to it, Maybe maybe they can still bring some of that back. Maybe they can't. Maybe it'll fucking suck. I don't know. But I do know that they are realistically looking for broadcast opportunities for WoW. And they should be. They'd be fools not to. MGM's in the wrestling game now. They like this stuff. And they don't want to be Vince. They don't want to do mainstream wrestling. They want to do this fringy, weird, cool stuff where they can have some fun with it, where they can play in the world where they can get in the sandbox and just make fun shit and not have to keep rebuilding the same sandcastle every time it gets knocked down. And Justin, without saying this is Mark Maron's character on the show, this is Mark Maron's character on the show. No, no, well. no, no. McLean, McLean is a combination of... Uh, actually, he's kind of more the other guy. He's the he's the one that likes the, the superhero stuff, the fun <laughs> stuff, you know? He, you know... He's more the producer guy, not the sleazy director. But gotcha. In the TV show, all those characters got mixed around. You know, I, I followed Glow back in the day, and I followed Wow when they started doing that stuff. And you know, there's some basis in reality, but it's not entirely on the mark. It's kind of you know. Yeah, where the, the fuck are the heavy metal sisters, man? Come on. Yeah. So, and I get to talk <laughs> about Kevin's other boss too for a second, and then I'm gonna let Ooh. Kevin jump in. Kevin's probably sitting there like, "Damn, where is all this shit coming from?" I'm um, just. I'm being informed as we speak. <laughs> Let's talk about um, Mr. Dorian and the crazy jump from AAA, a promotion that Kevin is very familiar with, of a couple of guys over to Impact. 
um, and how crazy people think this is, but it's not. And everyone needs to understand why it's not and why Dorian was maybe not the best decision he ever made, but at the same time, well within his rights to do it. Um, you know, especially with the characters that appear on Lucha Underground, people were like, holy shit, what's the deal? Those guys have triple A contracts first. Their primary signer is triple A. Their contracts work differently than everyone else's. So triple A can license those characters out wherever the fuck they want to. They can license them to Lucha Underground. They can license them to Impact. Not everyone's deal is that way. And we've said this on this show before. It's like, you know, workers read your contracts because don't think just because some other guy is getting something that they legally could even do that for you. They can't even do that with everybody who works in AAA because not everyone who's working in AAA has that primary AAA contract like guys like Drago. Drago is a triple A character and Dorian owns the IP to that character and can do whatever he wants with it. It's not jointly owned. It is licensed out to MGM for Lucha Underground. Okay. So that's why you can see those guys showing up in places like impact and he can, you know, Dorian can drink Jeff Jarrett's Kool-Aid all day long. Other characters, he can't necessarily do that with, and I'm sure he's looking into it. And at the same time, I don't know what Dorian's motivations are, but I like to see guys work. And I don't mind if guys pop up in different places personally. Mm-hmm. And and I know a lot of Lucha Underground fans take it super serious, like, oh, they're stealing our guys or they're doing this. And that. They're not running Lucha angles. You know, it's the same thing as when we got them for Lucha Underground in the first place. When I saw, when I heard that Drago was going to be in Lucha Underground, I was like, fuck, yeah, this is great. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm happy for him to get work anywhere he goes. I'm happy for all, all the guys to get work. Of as as like a Lucha Libre fan and not just a Lucha Underground fan, because there is kind of a distinction these days. Because like some people don't watch everything. For sure, I do gotta give um I gotta give Impact slash GFW some props because like like first of all Drago, there is like like I have the utmost respect for that guy. He's like one of the people in the business that. I just, you know, he's like a fucking lifer, man. He's been like 50 million gimmicks and he finally hit the right one, you know? I mean, the guy used to be a Michael Jackson impersonator and then he used to be the cat from the batteries. I mean, come on, dude. That's a lot of shit you have to eat before you become a cool-ass dragon, you know what I mean? And Fantasma... Wait, 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 wait. He was the ever-ready cat? He was the ever-ready cat, but he took it over from somebody else and then, like, because suddenly they're like, holy shit, the battery cat got fucking good, but it's because he replaced the first one. But, um, and, you know, Phantasma, Cuerno, he's got a lot of fans in the chat room right now. Uh, so they're they're excited to see him when they can. Like, Miflov can see the dude on TV now. He couldn't before because he lives in the fucking UK and Lucha Underground isn't legally broadcast there. And, uh, you know, Yet somehow he's seen every episode. Yeah, dude. And there's a couple other guys that that aren't AAA dudes that I'm really excited to see on TV. Namely, Laredo Kid, who is fucking awesome. He used to be in AAA. This guy is great. If you see him on a car near you, fucking go. He is like like a lot of people um, are really big fans of Aerostar. He used to team with Aerostar. They were the Air Force. There were a bunch of high-flying dudes. They're all in different promotions now. But Laredo Kid was one of the top ones, and he's definitely someone to watch. And I also have to talk about Damus316. This guy is fucking great. If you've never seen his matches with Masquerita Dorada, 
who a lot of you probably know most as like El Torito in WWE, unfortunately, because he didn't get to do much, but he got a good paycheck, so it's all good. But um, they had some of the best matches I've ever seen. Um, I've seen him in person, which I felt very fortunate. And uh, Demas is like, he's really tall for like a mini. So he's a good base. And like the match that he, they had uh, this week uh, at the tapings, he was teaming with Davey Richards and they were practically the same height anyway. So don't let the mini thing fool you. But uh, yeah, he, he's awesome, man. Uh, I got to tweet out the picture I took with him because I'm making like a dastardly villain face with him. I just got to find that shit. It's pretty great. But he's he's been one of my favorite luchadoras since he was mini Damien 666. And now he's kind of his own character now um, because Bestia came in, Damien's son, and he didn't want confusion between the characters. He wanted Damien's son to be the other Damien, you know. So um, he's definitely someone to watch too. Octagon Cito, I'm not sure which Octagon Cito it is. There's more than one. And uh, one is good and one is pretty good. Uh, so I'm not sure which one it is because I've only met him with his mask off, so I can't fucking tell. So, uh, this is, uh, it's interesting seeing those guys get a TV contract and, um, I will never forget what that man's face looks like, but you know, so if he ever gets unmasked, I'll know which one it is, but otherwise, <laughs> I don't know. Well, Kevin, so this is the perfect place, I think, to jump in with you, even though you've got a bunch of stateside stuff I want to talk about too. Triple A, um, are they afraid of you? Do they like you? What? what I mean, it, you pretty much just laid a path of destruction down there so far. So, what's the experience been like? And, and for the people who haven't seen it, kind of catch us up on your Triple A experience. And how the hell did you even get down there in the first place? I got a call about uh, four or five days before they needed me. Uh, basically, can you make it? I said yes. Uh, that was supposed to go down in November. Uh, things just took a while. So I uh, wound up going down there, and it was the night Johnny uh, won every single title. He's basically the champion of everything now in AAA, Johnny Mundo. So came in there, kicked Fantasma's head off. John's got all the belts, and I've just basically been terrorizing people for the last four or five months, pretty much doing whatever I want. Um, the general feeling about me, uh, I think it's mixed reactions. I think people are being entertained and engaged, uh, whether they love me or hate me, there's definitely always a response. Um, how people feel about me in general, I couldn't tell you because I do not give a fuck how anyone feels about me. This is my time now. Um, and it's very telling, I will say this, it is very telling to see how successful I've been in an international market where I barely even speak Spanish. Um, and what every single major company could have done with me in the meantime in the United States. I mean, it's just, it's just funny. It's nearly impossible to get into Mexico. You got to have something, you got to be somebody. And even then that still might not be enough. And I'm there doing what I'm doing. Um, I mean, that's basically what's going on. Yeah. I mean, dude, like you walked in at, at, at least the top of the mid card, if not higher, like walked in and, and honestly, you could probably be higher if your boy Mundo didn't have uh, every damn belt over there. Yeah, and you know what? It's cool because I'm having a good time victimizing people on television. And um, that's just basically the way I assess it. Uh, people are going to get to see what I'm all about while I'm there. And uh, by the time I hit television in the United States, it's going to be that much better. 
I'm staying hungry. I'm up at 5 or 6 a.m. every day doing road work. Uh, I, I treat pro wrestling training and preparation uh, kind of like a fight. So uh, that's kind of the mentality I go in there with, with a little bit of uh, sportsmanship, theatrics, and bravado. And you guys have seen my work. I'm laying it in. I mean, people are going to get money's worth when they see me. So that's, that's basically what's been going on. I'm looking to become a legend in Mexico, and uh, I'll do whatever the fuck I have to do to make that happen, as I've been doing and plan to continue to do. All right, so I got to ask you specifically about <clears throat> the fans that kept you from coming over the rail in Mexico because everyone's seen this thing, and it was just like I saw the look on your face too, like, wait, little person, I could really – I could hurt you right now you should probably let me over the fence and then they're just like they're so passionate they're like we can't let you over the fence we must stop you and i'm like these this is the same as when people are in the temple and they don't move when mil muertes is coming through like what the fuck are you thinking these guys weigh like 300 pounds and our freight trains and i just saw the look on your face like you didn't know whether to laugh or or cry for the lady or even what to do there I, I was pretty blown away, but I wasn't too surprised because, uh, I mean, it's hard to hear it uh, in the TV tapings now, but I heard a lot of women screaming uh, when I was uh, beating up Phantasma, uh, like screaming, not cheering, like screaming. That must and have been I think that was Miflof, actually. In the Miflof, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that had a British accent. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I was kind of warned ahead of time that uh, Tijuana was a really crazy crowd. So I was prepped, and I knew that I was going to be in the audience that night. And uh, I asked, uh, I don't remember if it was DJ or Vamp, I said, if somebody swings at me or tries to stab me, because they were really concerned about that, if somebody tries to swing at me or stab me, I said, am I going to get in trouble if I knock one of them out? And they were like, yes. I was like, okay. So they are just like, just get back over the guardrail, and that's it. I'm like, okay, cool. So I was fully prepared to basically put my back up against the wall like I was 21 to get in a bar and just beat the fuck out of everyone in front of me. But really all that happened, which was on television, was uh, when I went into the audience to get Tejano, who had the neck brace, um, I climbed over the steel barrier, or I attempted to, and everyone in the front row was trying to stop me. Uh, because they knew that if I was going to get a hold of Tejano, that uh, it was going to be fucking curtains. And... They were speaking a little bit of English to me. So that was the first thing that surprised me. I was like, okay, they understand. So I told the woman, the woman was going, no, 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 no. Stay away from him. Stay away from him. Leave him alone. It's too much now. It's too much. It's done. It's done. You won. Leave it alone. I go, man, listen, Tejano's my friend. Him and Phantasma are the guys who have the problem. I'm going to check on him. You got to let me climb over. She's like, no, you're lying. I was like, no, I'm not lying. Listen, he's my fucking friend. Okay, and he's gonna have to go to the hospital and he needs me. I'm like, we're off the air. It's okay, it's just a show. And she's like, are you sure? I go, I'm positive. I gotta, I gotta climb over. She's like, okay, okay. So when I climb over, I looked over my shoulder and I got the Tejano to make eye contact with her and I grabbed Tejano's head and I'm like, <laughs> fucking sick in his head and he's screaming and she's like, no! He's fucking lying! I see fucking went berserk. And I couldn't tell it with the way it was shot, but there was so much security that was surrounding me to keep people away from me. They were fucking livid. They were throwing rocks, bags of piss. They were freaking out. And uh, <laughs> it was up to like maybe the third or fourth row. I don't know if you could tell on TV. And then choke slammed Tejano to the table and the popcorn exploded out of his fucking eyes. That was the funniest description. But, uh, 
guys that you guys put in. <laughs> That's all Byron, I think, right? Was that you, Kate? Yeah. <laughs> uh, God damn. What's that, Kevin? It's just been very, very crazy. I'm enjoying every second of it. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to get back to the temple officially and uh, and get that stuff going. But yeah, AAA's been awesome. I'm, I'm happy to be there. And uh, I'm definitely looking at uh, being the absolute most aggressive and mentally unstable person there. That music hits and lights are on. I just, the guy you're talking to is fucking no longer with us. Well, see, and I got to ask you that because you're one of these guys, and I'm not bullshitting when I say this, where the, the kayfabe line is, is starting to disintegrate a little bit. It's like, okay, like, like I saw the Elgin's fight, and, and that was like perfect old school heel mentality. You're in there. It's like you're putting in the work. You're putting on a great match. But then I see some of the stuff going on in AAA, and I, I see you know some of the FSW stuff, and I'm like, is Kevin starting to lose it here? Like, I, 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 this is my opinion. You tell me if it's true or fuck off or whatever. But once you get down to AAA, you see what's going on there. You see how quickly and how easily people can get an appreciation for you. And then your brain turns a corner and it's like, well, why the fuck hasn't that been happening stateside? Or why the fuck aren't things always like that? And it's, and I swear ever since then, there's been this thing in your promos that you're cutting. And anytime I've talked to you and just the stuff that you're putting out there and the stuff that you're doing where the, the line between the edge of the character and who you really are is definitely starting to blur. So what is it? I mean, like, are you getting over it or are you getting into it or are you just really psycho? Well, that's a difficult question to answer. Uh, without sounding totally fucking insane and out of my mind and completely like unprofessional and, and unhirable, uh, you know, the frustrations are legitimate and real. Uh, I'm definitely not a complainer and I definitely like a challenge, but, uh, you know, on the independence and I say the independence, uh, the bookers that are out there, a lot of them, um, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them are, uh, booking shows that they would want to watch and not necessarily the shows that people would want to watch. And while people will always enjoy and will always show up in droves for their favorites and so forth, they tend to depend on the guys that they personally want to see versus what may or may not improve their show. And uh, there are these little fucking cliques, these little boys clubs. And a lot of guys uh, don't really uh, feel very comfortable or have any, you know, real security within their own value outside of the little cliques. And they attempt to close off any other opportunities for people to find work. And I'm very well aware of that because every so often a booker or promoter tells me about who those people are. So that frustration is real, but it never deters me ever um, from going out there because I don't necessarily think of me working for a company. I don't necessarily think of me working for a promotion or an indie or anything like that. I think of me as working for the people. And I had this realization a long time ago when I was walking down to the ring doing some uh, background gimmick for WWE, it was years ago. Um, I walked down there a bunch of times. I did a bunch of things that are not even really worth mentioning. And then um, on the way back home, I was like, you know, everyone gets into the wrestling business wanting to be a part of WWE because that's primarily what we're going up on in the United States. And then you walk down that ramp and you see everything and you feel everything. And then you go and you work somewhere else and it's almost the same feeling. And for me, I'll speak for myself, I realized that I just wanted to be in front of big crowds. 
And little crowds are fine too. Uh, I'm not um, too good for that or any stretch of the imagination. But like, uh, I'm someone who wants to engage people and I don't necessarily overly care. Shut up, old man. I don't necessarily care uh, whether I'm working uh, for one particular company or the other. My preference obviously is Lucha Underground, it always will be. But um, I don't know, I guess I'm going off on a fucking long tangent, but I'm answering honestly. It's a very, very complicated answer for me, but my frustrations are legitimate. I don't have any gripes against anyone, I don't hold anything personal, but um, I know that stuff is starting to bleed through. I don't know people are enjoying it, people are questioning it. And I was a big, big fan of Pillman and, and Stone Cold, and I felt sincerity in almost everything that they said. And I thought, why the fuck not? There's enough uh, poo-poo-ga-ga uh, bullshit in your PG Pro Wrestling out there. You know, I'll put some of the real stuff in there, and I'll, uh, you know, I'll let people decipher whether it's true or not. Well, that's where it gets fun, because I'm to the point now where, I, and I've seen a lot of your work, I don't fucking know anymore. There's just those times where I'm like, shit. Kevin fucking snapped right there. What the hell's going on? Or I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a work, whatever. But it's honestly, for me, and, and you know, me and Casey especially, we're pretty sick and twisted. We're, we, mm -hmm. we're, we're, kind of, we're kind of sick fucks ourselves. So I enjoy it. But then I go, damn, like, I hope he's not catching heat for this shit because it's amazing. But <laughs> I want to see the guy keep working, too. You know what's fucking cool, though, is, like, for real, like, I've seen them try to do this shit in Mexico a million times, and it didn't work. And it's working now. And that's what promoters need to see. Because if you can get over like that somewhere, you can get over like that fucking anywhere. And that's okay. what people need to realize and book Kevin Cross. Well, okay. and I'll... I'll keep it completely, completely real. Um, I think AAA owes you a debt of gratitude for kind of being their indie darling right now and yeah. coming in and erasing some of the bad taste that people had in their mouths uh, after the last little exodus of, you know, especially the, the mid-card guys from um, AAA. Probably because mm -hmm. a lot of those guys shouldn't have still been mid-card guys. <laughs> um, but it's neither here nor there. It really changed the story of what people were talking about when it came to AAA. And it happened almost instantaneously. And I was really surprised. I mean, there was a lot of hardcore American indie fans that that was all they talked about was the discord that was going on there. These guys leaving what was going on with Conan and the crash and this, that, and the other thing and the blood feud between Dorian and Conan or whatever the fuck was going on there. Um, all that chatter, it didn't completely go away. I mean, people still had it. It was still there, but it wasn't the story anymore. And all of a sudden the story was cross making popcorn come out of Tiano's eyes. Yeah. It was like, was a good how the fuck did this guy do that? How did he just erase like, you know, years of bad blood and feuding and guys' contracts that are pissed off and all this backstage drama and all this shit, you know, by coming in with a couple appearances um, and, and completely changing the tune about what people stateside, especially, were talking about. Yeah. I, I hope that they uh, have some sort of comprehension of it. I know at management level, um, there are so many things that, I mean, everyone's wearing multiple hats. That I will tell you. Um, I know that they're they're 100% entirely consumed with operations. I don't know if they're just mentally beyond listening to what fans say or think. Um, it, it is a fact that uh, offices of major companies most often are very out of touch with fans. They get a little bit of interaction, and the moment they hear something they don't want to hear, they're just like, "Ah, oh, fuck, these people are negative," and there's that cutoff. 
but the workers in the business are always between the workers. Um, the workers in the business are always between the office and the fans. So we hear both, and I think a workers. Um, a concern of every worker in the business is probably does the office know how the people feel about the product and do they care? Because you can see with WWE and I'm not taking a shot at them. I'm not a pro wrestling snob. I'm just saying you can see that WWE oftentimes is very out of touch with their fan base. Um, you know, they, they, they try to shove shit down their throats and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And because it's written as fiction, they can always turn it around at any point in time. So they're not overly concerned, but you can turn a lot of people off. Um, a lot of people off and hurt pay-per-view buys and gate sales and so forth by ignoring them too much. Um, so I just hope, I hope I'm not uh, perceived as someone who's expendable because that would really fucking piss me off. And I'd probably do something really over the top. Um, like I did right when I first showed the AAA, I would do something really fucking over the top. And how over the top was it really? Well, um, I changed the course of history by uh, having a foreigner win all three titles for the very first time. Mm-hmm. I, that was pretty over the top. I, I thought that was really funny. I think I got hit by the rocks. There were police all over the place. That was crazy. But, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, in, in all seriousness, all candor aside, um, I'm happy that I got to be that guy to shut down some of the negativity um, and kind of take some eyes away from it and allow people to start engaging and entertaining with pro wrestling as it should be because you know i i think that uh a lot of people lose focus and sight of what their fucking job actually is being a pro wrestler which is to take people away from all this shit outside and i know it's hard sometimes uh for the people who are in the business that are suffering that are on the unfortunate end the people that uh depart and go somewhere else or have to stay in a shitty situation to keep it to themselves because we're all human but uh, all I can do is try to distance myself away from that and dive bomb people on their fucking heads. That's all I can do. I just try to simplify it like that. So speaking of dive bombing people on their heads, we got to talk about Phantasma. Yes. Where where is where is this at? Please tell me. Please tell me. There's there's a, a near death experience in his future because I'm I'm not a fan. Mifloaf, however, who's in our chat room, who's been on the show a few times, is probably his biggest fan. Yeah. And I mean that. I mean, like, yeah. I can, I can kind of hear Phantasma's cock in his throat right now. Tell you the truth. Wow! Wow! Oh. I just called the guy the Hamburglar. You had to go there. Oh. I mean, it's it's kind of this gurgling, choking, awful sound that kind of just makes me feel bad for him. So, but I really want to know where this where this feud is at right now with you guys. And like, what's the deal? Are you gonna murder this guy for me, or is he gonna is he gonna best you at some point? Well, this is this is what I think. Okay, I, I'm a big fan of Phantasma, and that's why I every time I see him, I, I drop him on his fucking head. <laughs> I, I have nothing personal against him. Unfortunately, my business is the hurt business, and he happens to always be in the right place at the wrong fucking time. So, uh, you know, I, I plan to do a lot of things with my career, and uh, if he's going to stick around, then history will repeat itself like it does every single fucking show. He's going to wind up upside down, and he's going to wake up, you know, six days later. Um, and he's going to be picking the popcorn out of Tejano's eyeballs. But uh, you know, what, what can I say? Uh, for me, it's already over. I, ne- I never had an issue with him. He has an issue with me. Um, and he should he should fucking go away real soon before he starts to irritate me. I don't know if he's going to do that, but you know, in my opinion, Tejano, you know, he's he's the real victim here. You know, Fantasma's not really a nice guy. They're supposed to be friends, and uh, you know, Fantasma has really. Uh, 
gone out of his way to make Tejano's life a living hell. What you guys saw was me choke slamming Tejano through a table, um, pulling the neck brace off, but no one really knows why Tejano was in a neck brace. Uh, Phantasma and him, you know, they're supposed to be tight. They're supposed to be really good friends. Phantasma tombstone Tejano on a chair. Now, I've never done that to any of my fucking friends. I don't know if that's like a thing between them, but you know, anywhere else in the world, you don't tombstone your friends on a fucking chair. So I don't know. I mean, I think the real question here is what's the situation with Tejano and uh, Phantasma? Because I'm just over here minding my own business. I'm a civilized gentleman and I've never heard anybody in my life. And that's the story I'm sticking to. So who do you want to feud with in AAA? Like who, who, who are the guys there that you'd like, love to work programs with at this point? Um, man, well, I've been very fortunate to be in the ring with some of the top guys there uh, right off the bat. I really enjoyed competing against Dr. Wagner. That was pretty crazy. Yeah, how, how the yeah. hell is that old man still doing what he does? Like, please tell me somebody else, like, grabbed the mask in the back and that's actually some 22-year-old kid. What the fuck? The fucking animal. Um, he he's more ripped than he was. He, he's, in, he's in better shape than most of the guys in the Indies right now in their middle 20s. Shit, and he was like, he's in better shape than he was in his mid twenties. Like, uh, <laughs> so, holy shit! Yeah, uh, was in the ring with uh, Psycho Clown. That was great. He got dive bombed on his head. Uh, I was in the ring for like a minute with Ricky Marvin. I just needed him to get out of the way. I would love to get a match with Ricky Marvin. I was a big fan of his work in Noah. Yeah. If you guys match with him in Kenta, oh my god! If you haven't seen that yet, YouTube that one or find a way to see it. Kenta versus Ricky Marvin was insane. Uh, super hyper-violent, uh, big fan of that type of work. Um, I'm putting it on my list. I'm adding it to my list right now. The list yeah, that Justin is growing every day of DDT matches that that Casey wants me to watch. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't have a specific target, and yet at the same time, everyone is a target. Whenever I feel like just going down to the ring, that's typically what I do. But uh, it hasn't aired yet, but uh, Vampiro and I got into a, a small argument um, because this kid uh, there, Mascara de Bronze, like, and when I say kid, I mean he's 120 pounds. And by the way, mm -hmm. he could be Phoenix, so keep an eye out for him. Um, a lot of people consider him like the mini Phoenix. But um, he's doing some uh, cash in the case type thing. And that's not really sitting very well with me because I'm 265 pounds and I don't go to Mexico just to fuck around and stand there with my hands in my pocket. So he shows up. He's 18 or 19, 120 pounds, and now he's going to get a title shot of Triple Mania. So I'm just, you know. So I grabbed him, and I, uh, I threw him around like a bag of shit for, for a couple minutes. And Vampiro kind of like, you know, was not cool with that at all. So we got into a, a bit of a shoving contest, had a, an exchange of words. and It should be coming on TV, I think, within the next week or so. I'm, I don't really understand how the episodes are going up, but you never know. You might see me and Vampiro. Oh no! The last time Vampiro did something like that, he ended up getting set on fire. So um, he needs well, to stop. He'll drop him out of a fucking helicopter. I mean, we'll just do <laughs> go back to. <laughs> we'll have a fucking match in a helicopter. And I, I, I got to say, <laughs> I got to say, Kevin, my suggestion is there's so many clowns in AAA. We could always use less clowns. That's just my my personal suggestion for potential victims. How do you get rid of the clowns? There's like there's like 85 clowns, dude. There's there's so many clowns, but you can't have a party without clowns. Yeah, you see, you know, we got to take into consideration that there's only so much oxygen on the planet and resources for everyone, and there's too mm -hmm. many clowns running around. 
maybe uh you know i'll have to look into that the next time i get there just I like it but see as I, as I hook the Saito and just whisper in the ear, the MMM show. And he's like, what? <laughs> and then boom, last <laughs> fucking show. Yeah. yeah. You got to do it extra hard so they feel it through those latex masks, you know? Like those have to suck to wrestling. I'm going <laughs> to get up on my tippy toes and I'm going to stall. <laughs> and I'm just going to die bomb him. I'm going to pencil him on his fucking head. <laughs> Super solid. Well, at least at least AAA can say since you've come down and since Mundo won all the belts that they're definitely not just a bunch of fucking clowns anymore. There's definitely something else to offer in AAA, which is awesome because you know Casey and I have been off and on fans of AAA forever. Yeah. We like we yeah. like when it gets a little weird. We you know and and there's definitely still a lot of talent there. As much as I was upset to see some of the talent leave, there's still guys there that 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 I love and and it's still fun to watch. So. I'm glad you're down there. Uh, I'm not glad about the date of Triple Mania, but I'll get into that in a minute because I want to oh. ask you. <laughs> I told them. I got the heads up before that was released publicly that uh, What's-His-Face got the building. And they were like, no, 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 no. Uh, you know, the fight will be held on a Saturday or they said a Sunday or something. I don't remember what it was, but I was like, I'm 100% certain that they're running the show on the same date as Triple Mania. So you may want to look into that. No, they would never do that. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? They would never do mm -hmm. that. Uh, you know, so I hope that that doesn't murder the pay-per-view buys, but I mean, that just sucks. But, yeah. um, yeah, yeah, you know, it's funny. I, when I tell you this, I'm being sincere. I'm so out of the loop with the gossip and the things going on. I'm the last person to hear anything. And, and most times people start telling me something that has nothing to do with me and it's none of my business. And I, I just tell them I don't want to hear it because I try to stay focused. I try to keep things simple. I had no idea that this whole crash thing was like, uh, like some sort of split or departure or something. I was literally the last person to find out. So when they told me, when they asked me if I was going out of AAA, I was like, when I get there, I'm going to go up to Pentagon and Phoenix and I'm going to choke them a little bit, you know, tell them how much I missed them. You guys asked me who I wanted to work in AAA. The first person that came to mind was uh, Pentagon. I wasn't sure if I should have said it, but uh, fuck it, I'll say it. I and mean, we're just talking, you know, yeah. I, like, like I, have, I, have, I have no idea what happened or what's going on. I don't care to know. Like I said, it's not my business. I'm just like that. It's how I grew up. But, yeah, it's a shame all that happened, but we'll see those matches in the temple, I suppose. Well, and that's the thing that I think is cool, too. And as much as people are giving Dorian shit for sending some of the guys to, to TNA or whatever, and, you know, I think it's cool to see guys jump over and to do other stuff in other promotions, just like what WCW did when they brought in luchadors and guys from Japan. And, you know, that was stuff that Vince never did. Or if he did do it, it was like a one-off special event or something. And it's like, you know... I don't know what the beef is between Dorian and Cone. Actually, I take that back. I know exactly what it is, but yeah, it's you know not, it's not relevant. <laughs> it's not relevant. The, the simple fact of the matter is they both have good promotions. They both run Tijuana, like TNA and, or Impact, whatever you want to call it, and Lucha Underground, you know, are kind of competing for the same market shares, and those contracts don't cross. So when things get a little murky behind the scenes and guys end up in new places and there's fresh matchups, I'm not complaining. I mean, I, it's regrettable that you don't get to face Pentagon in AAA, a place that was his home mm -hmm. for, you know, a long time. But he's still out there working, and you know, maybe we'll see you guys uh, at Modern Vintage or somewhere else. You know, there's no, there's a lot of places. fucking temple, Justin, where it means more, way yeah. more. Uh, that, and that, that'll happen. I'm I'm positive it'll happen. I'm positive. So uh, it's just I I really fucking hate waiting. I don't like to wait because, you know you wait too long and then the opportunity never comes around or things come up. And I called Pentagon out actually at the last uh, Maverick pro show 
but we won't even bother going into detail about it, but that awful shit happened and he got tied up with that stuff. So I didn't mm-hmm. bother perpetuating it on social media, but a lot of fans are posting about it. But um, yeah, I mean, the temple would, would make the most sense um, to, uh, to have that match, but shit. I mean, I think Phoenix will probably be um, the best match I'll probably ever have in my career, I think. Um, we did a little something a while back and we're both talking about it. We talked about it for months, the chemistry that him and I have in the ring. We can pretty much cover every base, everything that you want to see in a pro wrestling match, him and I offer between the two contrasts in our style. So um, as much as I love Penta, I think Phoenix and I are going to have an even crazier fucking match. I think it'll be the I match. think I could see that too. I mean, just the way that I think that you could base think, for Phoenix would be pretty fucking that. amazing. I think I might have seen that in the dark, so to speak, a little bit. Um, yeah, which, um, I, I actually had another one I wanted to talk about, which, uh, was the battle of the Kevins. Oh boy. Uh, (laughs) Various. Oh my God. So, um, one of the, one of the dark matches was Kevin cross and his opponent was Kevin Masterson, both using those names. So there were some, one Kevin wasn't going to stay, huh? (laughs) No, I, I, I just I just wanted to know how you guys kept a straight face with those let's go Kevin Kevin sucks chance. Uh, <laughs> so hard. I was like in my head, I was like, how did I not see this coming? It's <laughs> awesome. You know, I wanted to play with the crowd a little bit more, but I, I wasn't sure if uh, you know, I wasn't sure if the powers that be wanted something specific out of us that night. So I don't want to fuck around too much and look like an idiot, but I really wanted to play with the crowd, but that was really fucking funny. It was very fun. We talked about that for months. <laughs> that, that is that is definitely one that I want to see on TV, and it almost makes me wonder if they saw that and thought that they were onto something, and that's why he's playing who he is right now. Because they're like, <laughs> let's confuse people, but you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, it's uh. It was fun times. Like, this is the thing. Like, a lot of people haven't seen the awesome work you've been doing in the temple, and it's a fucking crime, man. Yeah. Like like that four-way match. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, that was lit. I was totally lit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. But, you know, um, as much as I can't stand it, as much as this bothered me, I've learned a little bit that I've adapted, and I've gotten lifetimes better uh, since the last time I was in the temple. And that's kind of one of those funny things that every pro wrestler, I think, goes through. It was really serious and progressive about this. If you really study the tape and you're serious about your diet and your training and you love this and you you treat it as a learning experience every single time you go out to the ring, you'll always get better and better and better. Uh, for me, just my mentality, my philosophy, the way I observe life, I uh, detest complacency in anything. And that, that kind of could be my own worst fucking enemy too because it's hard for me to slow down. But... Um, I've gotten bigger. I think I've leaned out. I've gotten more agile. I'm doing a lot of mobility training. Um, and uh, my timing has gotten so much better. Uh, I'm actually really excited that, you know, not to like toot my own horn or, or try to overhype something, but I definitely feel like for me personally, there's going to be a 2.0 version of myself that's going to be coming to the temple for season four. So it's almost like a blessing in disguise that we've held things off for so long and we're going to wait to do things and execute them the way and the manner that we are. And, um, I'm just super fucking pumped like everyone in there for season four. I mean, I can't fucking wait. Uh, So, but yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, The darks, 
it's it's the knife has been twisting in my side. <laughs> well, hey, look, at least five hundred of us saw those. Yeah. 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 And every one of us has told a friend, you gotta fucking see this guy. Every yeah, single I mean, look, it's the reason it's the reason you're sitting here right now. And I and I like to think, you know, it's the reason why you're down in AAA, not us, but 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 those dark matches. Um, you know, and this, this goes to every worker out there. Don't think that because you're working a dark match or because you're in some shitty place, you know, and, and doing some match in front of a small crowd, that that can't be the thing that influences and makes your whole career. Because I'm here to tell you, you know, Kevin had these fucking dark matches at Lucha Underground with, you know, four or five hundred rabid believers in there. And believe me, if the matches were something to shit upon, we would gladly shit upon them. We are not the kind of fans that don't just royally shit on something that we're not interested in, you know? And this, here's a guy who put on a great dark match. We went out of our way. We're like, fuck, he's not even on Lucha Underground yet. Let's get him on our podcast. Cause you know, yeah. clearly he's going somewhere. Let's find out what else he's doing. Let's check out some of his other shit. Cause that'll be fun. Um, you know, and, and you know, and I'm pretty sure that was right after the weekend. You walked away with a big potato. looking thing on your face too. Whoa! It's like a foot shaped face from 14 feet in the air. Yeah, somebody did. <laughs> I bet you we can break that news. We can break that story after season four airs on TV next year. Just don't. I mean, I won't forget. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it once they once they have some sort of content on me on television we can go back to that and tell that story but yeah you guys fucking saw that that was legit everyone who saw a picture of me because they never talked about what actually what it actually was everyone thought it was makeup they thought i was on set doing stunts because i was oh. never told anywhere yeah. no one ever knew where i was going when i was going i would just disappear for a week and not tell anyone it's like pure fight club shit. so <laughs> they, every every single person here locally Everyone had no idea that I was doing that. I kept it completely to myself. And um, every once in a while, people go, hey, are, are you over there in Boyle Heights? And I was like, what are you talking about? We're hearing rumors that you're over there. I was like, yeah, I fucking wish I was there. Maybe with a ticket. Like, I completely, like, no. So, but I was coming around. They saw the pictures. And then they saw me the next uh, the next day or that week. And they were like, they were like, what do you still got that makeup on your face for? I was like, this isn't makeup. I have a fucking compacted eye socket. Not literally, wow. but they're, like, oh. Oh, they're touching it. They couldn't believe it. They'd never seen anything like that. And uh, boxing and kickboxing for like 15, 16, 17 years, I had never, and I'd even been kicked clean without the shin guards, never had anything like that on my fucking face before. I'm surprised my face didn't break. I've had one. It was from a Muay Thai guy who brought his heel down across my orbital. That was that was oh. a similar look to that. The whole face went up, and it was purple, and my mom – took me out of the dojo immediately and just was like, you're never going back again. And yeah, one like that. And it was the worst thing ever. Like I looked up in the sky, saw a dude's heel coming down and then woke up a couple minutes later. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you got lumped up pretty good. We remember seeing it and like looking at each other right when it happened. We're like, Oh, that wasn't fucking right, dude. And then yeah. we saw we saw you the next day walking in the building, and we're like, "Holy shit! We hope he doesn't have to shoot vignettes today or something." <laughs> yeah, I got. I think I threw up in my mouth and swallowed it. Uh, it was it was it was pretty gruesome. But I'm I'm sure there's a receipt for that out there somewhere in the wind. Of course there is. <laughs> something to talk about in season four people will be like why the fuck did that just happen yeah, well whoa they're a little snug today what's going on. <laughs>
pretty funny. It's a small fucking community of people, especially at the temple. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what fucking happens. I guarantee you anything I'll be on on television is going to be very worthy of your attention. It's going to be quality fucking TV. There's a couple well, of seats out there. I believe that. So, okay, I got to ask you about you and Elgin's, this uh, modern vintage wrestling thing that you posted the other day. Fucking Dude, phenomenal. Was- what the, what, like, how, how did this come to be? And what the fuck that, you talk about the Kevin Cross 2.0. Like you turned, you turned a bit of a corner there. That was some of the stiffest shit that I've, I've seen you be able to do with somebody. Obviously it's Elgin, so that can, that can definitely play, but it's great. You're throwing in lots of great old school heel tactics and the work is stiff as fuck. And you guys were throwing out moves that I don't know if I've seen you do before. Um, so t- tell me about this thing and where it came from. Well, um, I-, I hate to say it, but I'll, I'll just, it's, it's the truth. You know, when I was, when I was just getting in, I was really afraid to hit people because, uh, and I think maybe you even said on the show too, a long time ago, um, like growing up in full contact sports, and everyone in my family was like this. I have six uncles and they all did combat sports to some degree. None of us has ever, we never really had to like try to knock somebody out. Uh, we, we have a good lockout. We have good timing. Um, we're going to hit somebody. They're usually going to go out. And I even remember the first time I knocked somebody out. It actually was more alarming for me than the people that were with the guy. I was really freaked out. I think I hid in my house for like a week. I was like 16 or 17 years old. I thought he died. He was on the ground snoring and he was all cockroached out. Like it scared the shit out of me. And I think, in the back of my mind when I, you know, I don't know, it just took me a long time to properly get comfortable throwing uh, in such a way where it was going to work for a wrestling match. Let's put it that way. Um, And I'm just comfortable doing it now. Now I can throw from the fucking outfield and just blow people's fucking heads off. And uh, everything looks better, more polished, clean. Um, Working with Elgin, he's someone who's been hit like that maybe even worse working in Japan. So I had absolutely no fear whatsoever that anything was going to go sideways. Our timing was excellent. The, the hits were in. And yeah, I threw a lot of stuff and I normally wouldn't throw people because I don't think they have the confidence to survive through it, but I knew he'd be good for it. And yeah, um, yeah a lot of the suplexes that I do, um, I kind of have to, uh, I have to taper them back for some of the guys on the independence. I'm not mentioning anyone. I would never do that. Just some people can't handle them. That's okay. They're human. You know what I mean? Not everyone can take Brian's fucking screwdriver. I don't know if I can. We'll find <laughs> out. We'll find out in October. But, you know, um, there's just certain things that some people can handle and certain things that uh, they can't. And I was really happy to get in the ring with Elgin because uh, Elgin uh, is a fucking freak. And um, we got to do some really cool stuff. And I just thought it would be neat and fun and different to put in some of that uh, Crippler Ray Stevens uh, psychology into that match. You know, we could, we could both go you know, Japanese strong style, but I thought putting a little bit of that old school stuff in there. And I was, I've always been a huge Ray Stevens mark. Um, I thought would put a nice flavor on things, especially since we were working in North Carolina. I figured they'd appreciate that. Yeah, no, and it, it works perfectly too. And this is one of the things that I like, you know, and I was talking to these guys about why I don't like some of Zack Sabre Jr. stuff, but why, I like some of the other guys that are similar to him and it's all about the combination and the presentation of these things. It's like for guys like us, we've seen a shit ton of wrestling. Sure. You can go in there and work a fucking balls to the wall, strong style match, but I've seen it before. But that combination of the two guys who could clearly be in the Tokyo dome with this match right now, but then 
you're working this old school healed stuff. I'm just like, this is fucking genius. Like this is a combination that, you know, Kenny, the cleaner is going to want to steal from you next week. No, and the thing is, like, we watch so much shit that it that especially on an independent level, a lot of the wrestling these days feels the fucking same, right? Like, there's kind of like a samey feeling with a lot of it. And you got like that fucking UWF style that I just want to see so much more of. So you got something different. Big Mike's got something different because he's a big motherfucker that's just like a fucking bear shaven and pretending to be a person, you know? And it's like, <laughs> it's like, that's different, you know? So it's, it's the fucking, it, this is more of what the wrestling needs. We need different shit. We need dudes that look like Big Mike that look, that are big dudes that look like they can fuck you up and not like some underwear model. We need guys like Cross that are big guys that'll kick you in the fucking face. We yeah. need shit like that. And we need more squashes. You know, uh, Johnny, he said this recently. I don't know if he said it on uh, on the air or he said it to me in private or both, but him and I were talking about this a few weeks ago. He was saying the pendulum is going to swing back the other way for what the crowd and the audience wants to see. You know, in the 80s and 90s, it was a lot of body guys, and some of their work was excellent, some of it wasn't. And then um, – you know, it was big guys, you know, the Titan Tower gimmick over six foot four, uh, the Hogan's and the Hercules Hernandez and the Paul Romas, um, Jesse, the bodies, all those guys. Then it went into the athletic era. You know, Shawn Michaels, I think, ran with that uh, hit man. Uh, people were not so overcritical about the size and, and it became a work rate thing. Then it went back to big bodies and athletics. I think uh, the, the athletics kind of transferred over angle, Brock, uh, Booker T, um, you know, Stone Cold and and uh, and Rock, uh, they could do a little bit of everything. They weren't doing a lot of dives and shit off the top rope, but they didn't need to. Larger than life characters are in their own category. But now it's kind of drifted into this whole t-shirt wrestler thing. And again, I'm not taking shots on anyone. It is what it is. That's their style. People are enjoying it, and it's it's selling at the gates. But Johnny was saying that he thinks that next wave of people who are super athletes that can kind of do it all and do everything, that's going to be coming there. You know, it's going to be coming back. Um, and it's funny because like a month later they put the belt on gender um, and mm -hmm. you know, genders, he's training his fucking ass off like a lunatic every day, all day. Um, we don't even talk anymore. Him and I, I did a tour in uh, Japan, I think a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, actually with IGF me, him, Knox, Mike Knox and uh, Mason Ryan. Jinder's one of the coolest guys I've ever met. And that work ethic that he had was there at the time, but, you know, I'll let him tell his own story in his own words. But my bottom line is, is like, like you said, um, you, you guys want something different. There's an oversaturation of one particular thing right now. And it's, you know, everyone's starting to feel it. It's, it's becoming uh, underwhelming, I guess I could say. Mm -hmm. And it's my own fault. It's like I, I made the T-shirt guys popular. I was the guy that was cheering the Tommy Dreamers and the ECW guys and, and the Sandmans. You know, it's like and then that whole ideology is what leads you to a, a Kevin Steen or Kevin Owens and Baron Corbin and these other guys. That's that's they are the evolution of the ECW and indie wrestling guys that I was supporting back in the day. They're the next breed of that. And everyone and it got over and CM Punk certainly helped push that over the top as well. He was an undersized, not necessarily a t-shirt wearing guy, but that was more his shtick. You know, and Daniel yeah. Bryan, you know, he got that kind of Dude, thing going yeah. too. And bless him, he's fucking talented as shit and he's great. But, you know, 
he he also kind of paid a price for it, which sucks. And uh, but I can't lie; it's it, like it, it's, now I want to see somebody just get squashed every now and then. Like, can I just see a larger than life character just squash the shit out of some new guy who's trying to get his foot in the door? Can I just see like? And honestly, let me see three of those on Raw. Let me see two at Lucha Underground. Yeah, yeah, I think shit, man. There's a. There's I'd watch a whole episode of uh, Saturday Night, right? Like, that was all squashes. And sometimes it was like Nasty yeah. Ned versus the fucking State Patrol. It was like job guys against job guys, and it was fucking dope, you know? Yeah, I, I loved what they were doing with Braun Strowman when uh, he first got his own singles push, um, when he had the the squashes. I thought it was really entertaining and funny, and some of the guys could have done a little bit more for him. It's nothing against them, though, at their experience level. But, yeah, I definitely think that – you know, there's even a smart fucking way, not to just totally expose psychology, but like there's even a smart way to take a really established star against another really established star and squash them out. There's a million different ways to do things. I don't know if it's agents or people backstage that just don't think about this or they frown upon it, but like, I mean, you can have those three or four minute matches. Not to be redundant, but again, Kenta versus Ricky Marvin was almost a squash. It was literally a 30-minute match packed into six minutes. If you guys can, anyone who's listening to the show, if you guys look that up once the show's done, you'll see what I mean. You take two established stars and one guy, ah, whatever. I don't want to go on about it. Today. <laughs> Fucking match. I know what you guys are saying, believe me. I'm of the same state of mind. There's so many different ways to do things. And, you know, a lot of times people just go through the motions or just want to do what they want to do for themselves and not do what they should be doing for the fucking audience. Well, yeah, and that's and that's a lot of it. And sometimes it's coming from the guys. Sometimes it's coming from the booking. Sometimes it's just the overall mentality that everyone wants to see these 50, finish, 50 finishes with a, a lot of uh, work rate and flippy shit. And it's like, yes, I do like a lot of that, but I want to see it tell the story. I want to see it evolve a certain way. Like, and, I, and these days, I prefer a flippy shit guy over somebody who can base, you know, like I want to see, I want to see those two guys together. I don't want to see two flippy shit guys, right? you know, just the same way. I don't want to see two powerhouses just battle each other with forearms for 20 minutes. Like it's boring as shit. See, like I'm, I've always been a base guy too. Cause like a good base is a great art. And it's like, yeah. you know, you got guys like, like fucking Steve Payne, great Steve base. Payne, for, absolutely. Uh, the best out there. Yeah. Hands down. Um, Chessmen, man, when there were a lot of really bad kind of fly guy, flippy guys on the AAA roster, he made them look like fucking gold. Chessman is a great base. Uh, also, someone I'd like to see Kevin wrestle. That would be fucking amazing. Yeah. Uh, that would be he's, he's a big, he's a big hard hitting motherfucker. So that's kind of cool. But um, yeah, like. Yeah, but at Flippy the same time, it's like I can't watch I can't watch Zack Saber Jr. versus Will Ospreay. Like yeah. I just can't I can't uh, do it. There's nothing there for me. It's it, just a but. It's okay. You know what it comes down to, Justin? Is there's different styles, and there should be different styles in wrestling, and there's kind of not right now, and there should be because that shit's dope, and it's like. Then you get the new fresh matchups when you're like, all right, so you got Aerostar flying around. You got Kevin Cross that fucking murders. What's going to happen when he it's flies like into a Scott Norton versus Psychosis? It's like, you know, you want to see that. That's interesting. Right. Like, WCW used to do shit like that all the time. And a lot of the times the Lucha guys would get squashed. But sometimes on Saturday night, you'd get like El Dandy versus like fucking Chris Adams or something. And you'd mark the fuck out. Yeah. 
And it's like, you know, there's all kinds of stuff out there and it's cool to see like different things. Like I think wrestling should be like street fighter, right? Like you got a bunch of weird characters with different fighting styles and you see what happens when they all come together. Well, and look, let's be honest. And I'm going to use that to transition to MMA a little bit because the Floyd Connor thing is kind of that it's, you know, Bruce Lee versus Hulk Hogan. It's something ridiculous that has no business happening. Um, but for some reason, in some alternate universe, somehow this little Irish guy talked enough shit to talk him into a fight with a retired guy in a different sport who has 49 victories, <laughs> no losses. And Justin, he can't even be undefeated in his own sport. It's amazing, and I love the it. Most important part. He talked himself into this fight for millions of fucking dollars. A okay, lot of millions. That's the of big dollars. thing. H- hundreds of millions of dollars. <laughs> and he's the B side. So I don't know if you heard this one or not, Kevin, but but Connor doesn't have to do the Reebok deal from UFC for this fight. So he is open sponsorship. Floyd isn't oh. even full open sponsorship. Connor can book whoever he wants and wear whatever he wants on his ass for this thing because his Reebok thing uh, is expired and not valid for this fight somehow. And Dana is like all for it. Justin, send him a fucking shirt. He just doubled his Send income. him an MMF show. Yeah, clearly he doubled his income. It's like he could stand to make another $80 million on sponsorships alone. Yep. Fucking get a get the uh, McLaren on your fucking uh, shorts. Get a uh, titanium fucking Ferrari. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's amazing. That's so fucking awesome. He could get car sponsorships. He can get real estate sponsorships. Fucking flip out. I mean, wow, that's insane. I he think he should right. get. I think he should get uh, Glenda come by with a Sapphire Club uh, sponsorship. <laughs> That's that's very disrespectful. Oh, we said we, we said this was going to be a, just, a Glenn appreciation night too, and somehow we forgot to make oh, it Glenn dude. appreciation night. I saw him that guys, a couple years saw ago. The best fucking match that he did. There's this YouTube account called Monsoon Classic, and what they do is they post just squash matches, and uh, that's like all they post, right? And uh, it's stuff that the WWE Network never gets around to putting up. So there's all kinds of good shit on there. But I was watching this one that was the Battle Royal channel. And it had all the Battle Royals that used to be on WCW Saturday Night and Superstars and stuff like that when you get them once in a while. They had one with the fucking Disco Inferno in it. And it was it was him and Cobra. They were like the big names in it. And then it had like the fucking State Patrol and it had the Barrio brothers that were like uh, Ricky Santana and Fidel Castro under like a Puerto Rican gimmick. And uh, a bunch of nasty Ned was in there rocking a fucking biker gimmick with lap shit and uh, and like a vest. He looked like he was from that uh, Blue Oyster Club in the Police Academy movies and shit. <laughs> and... Uh, and the Disco Inferno, right? So everyone's fighting and Disco Inferno's just like sitting back, being smart, letting everyone eliminate each other. And then it's just him and the state patrol. And the state patrol like start double teaming him and shit. And, and he's like, what the fuck, dude? I wasn't doing anything to you. And then they start fighting each other for who has the right to eliminate Disco Inferno. So he knocks them both over the top rope. 
and he wins the match, but he's not celebrating because they messed up his hair. So he won the match, but he's fucking pissed and doesn't even realize that he won. And then like, he's like, wait, I fucking won. All right. And then he starts dancing crowds booing and shit. It was great. <laughs> Props to disco Inferno. I, I mean, still think that the just don't understand. people just don't understand the art of selling like that dude sells. I mean, it's amazing. Like, and he still gets over like people just don't and people. He's another one of those guys that people don't know where the line is. I'm pretty sure I know where the actual line is and it's fucking genius. It is, Dude. It's what's, even, what, what's, what's even, what's even fucking funnier is, uh, you know, him and Lance storm, him and Lance storm go back and forth all the time with their, uh, yeah. and, and, uh, it's just fucking funny because uh, disco's never said it, but, you know, Lance always puts himself over Disco saying, Disco's a, you know, what were you, a dancer? Or you're this, you're that. He's always taking shots at him. But at some point in Lance Storm's career, they gave Disco Inferno's gimmick to Lance Storm. So how come that's never been yeah. brought up? Well, uh, Lance, Lance Storm had the gimmick of having a big dick once, too. Oh, God. That was so amazing. Like the divas were touching it and running away from it. It was a legitimate cool. thing on TV. I don't remember that. So he was also given Virgil's gimmick. That's amazing. But, uh, <laughs> dude, anyone that can make me think that their life was in danger from the state patrol, fucking Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker and James Earl Wright, no, no, Disco did that believably. The man's a master at the business. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> All right, well, there you have it. Glenn Appreciation Night here on the MMM Show. Glenn, if you're listening, which by this late in the show, there's no way that you are. <laughs> you probably stayed for the first five minutes. But anyway, look, somebody out there still appreciates you. Might not be any of the guys on your show, but on this show, we completely appreciate you. We love you, Disco. The leg lock was the best gimmick ever. <laughs> <laughs> so sad. I was talking about MMA. We got on fucking disco here um because disco's a fucking shooter he would kick conor mcgregor's ass he'd get him in the fucking chart buster and then he'd put that uh, leg lock on him and he wouldn't even need the chart this time there you go <laughs> um okay speaking of shooting or shitting i should say i didn't get justine kish's shorts um i don't know if you heard about this I one kevin sure. but um Somebody Home bought those fucking shitty shorts. Yes, we'll get there. Uh, Felice Herrig um, out of Crystal Lake who trains uh, with a, a pretty badass camp up there outside of Chicago. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, she's out of fucking – is she Jason? She's out of fucking Crystal Lake? What's up with that? That that whole camp is is out of there uh, with the with the currents, with Patty Mike and his, his uncle over there. Um, Dude, I approve of the name. Jeff, That's Jeff great. Big Frog. Jeff Big Frog Curran, he trains out of there. He's got a whole camp up in Crystal Lake, Illinois. Yes, Jason yeah. stuff. Anyway, so this girl, Felice Herrick, makes, uh, makes pretty nice work out of Justine Kish. Really beat the shit out of her. And I mean that literally because Justine Kish shit herself in the octagon a uh, yes. week and a half ago or whatever, right? So we found out that Justine Kish had a sense of humor about this whole thing. And somebody offered her 15000 thousand dollars to buy the fucking poop drawers 15 that's bigger than her her win bonus would have been and she lost the fight so you know she wants the fucking money this oh. poor girl's got to sell the fucking poop shorts she you got to do it right yeah you got it you got it 
I Especially mean, if you fucking lost, so you didn't get the fucking winner's window as well. Not to be an asshole, but I mean, you you, you can't be doing MMA just because it's for fun at that level. You got to be doing it to pay your fucking bills. So I mean, hey, why not? Let's turn a, a negative into a positive. I mean, she's had a great attitude about it. I mean, it's like, look, these things, it's just bad stuff happens. You're in a real fucking fight. You were getting the shit beat out of you. And, you know, it, the bad thing about it, too, is she was undefeated going into this fight. She yeah. lost her O. She lost She lost her bowels. Like, the poor Dude, girl I, is just a bad, bad scenario, man. You know what my question is, though, is do you wash them first when you send them to the person? I gotta imagine if the guy wants the poop drawers for his man cave. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's better to have them washed just so you can say, yeah, those are the shorts that Justine Kiss shit herself in. You're like, paying, what is the conversation piece that is worth 15 grand? Is it, it does, does it have the shit in them? If you pay 15 grand for some shitty pants, you're doing horrible things to them. You're like some weird fetishist like Byron over here. Hey, you know, baby. like... I'm definitely thinking... Definitely thinking that they were thrown out immediately and she's going to shit in a new pair of shorts and just work everyone. She's going to be like, Dude, well, I went into myself. Them like 10 copies of them. You should oh. shit in 15 pairs of shorts and sell them to 15 different weirdos, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, this is a whole new business now. Uh, <laughs> Shitty Shorts Kish is like a whole new apparel company. It's terrible. Oh, God. Um, Okay, so there's two UFCs this weekend. I don't know if anybody gives a shit about them because all the announcements for UFC 214 that's happening a month later are so much better. I, I don't, I, like, I, I'm trying to figure out if I even care about this weekend or not. Do you care Wait, about this which weekend? Card, which card is, what's Angie Hill fighting on? Because I got um, some she, beef with the UFC. She is fighting on the Ultimate Fighter finale card and that is this weekend okay they didn't let her cosplay at the weigh-in this is like what fans know her from and he was dressed as a black panther she just had to tweet the picture because they didn't let her dress up as the character and i hope they don't do this to filthy tom too because him weighing in as the shock master was the greatest moment in ufc history <laughs> Hey, look, I hope Filthy Tom comes to Lucha Underground at this point. Like, he's making the circuit. Oh. He's making some towns now. So Dude, I'd like yeah. to see Filthy Tom, you know, step up the wrestling game a little bit. That's just me. Um, Filthy Tom might come on the show at some point, too. I, I got some positive response from him, but it'd be great to have Filthy Tom on. Okay, so Angie Hill is fighting. Hold on, let me look at my cards here. Who is Angie Hill fighting? She's fighting uh, who, Ashley Yoder or something. Okay, so she, clearly she's going to win. I don't even know who the other girl is. Well, shit. Well, now we're never going to get Angie Hill for the show. Thanks, Justin. <laughs> Angie Hill's great. I love Angie Hill. Um, I, got a, I got a prediction if it's, uh, if it's all right. Yeah, yeah predict. With this uh, Floyd Mayweather and, um, and Connor thing. So I just want to interject some science into this fucking equation here uh, that a lot of people are not are not really thinking about. So if you look at the ratio of rounds that Conor McGregor has had in UFC, and off the top of my head, I don't remember, but I remember assessing this a few months ago. This guy crashes uh, hard, um, usually at the beginning of the fourth round, 
He's never had a good fourth or fifth round, I think, in his life. Nothing worth mentioning. I do know that his conditioning is changing, and his conditioning is getting better. Uh, for this boxing fight, he doesn't have to train as much with MMA, which makes a huge difference uh, in his cardiovascular abilities and so forth. He doesn't have to uh, just train the same. I mean, it just makes a very big difference when you do things um, for boxing versus MMA. But uh, I still think that there's not, there hasn't been enough time for him to adjust uh, based on the way that he fights and based on the way that he uses his energy. I think that uh, Floyd is going to knock him down. He's going to put him down in the second round. And I think in the fifth, he's going to get knocked the fuck out really bad. Um, we're, we're dealing with a guy that is probably one of the most evasive boxers of all time. And people can argue until they're blue in the face that there's not the same type of competition around currently as there was when, let's say, Jack Dempsey and, uh, you know, or Sugar Ray uh, Robinson or Leonard or, or Roberto Duran. You know, they want to argue the, uh, the era argument, I guess we could call it. I think it's irrelevant uh, because Conor McGregor is not in that category of those fighters either. He's made a very good living being a southpaw and having range on people. And a lot of people don't understand what went wrong in those uh, Nate Diaz fights. And I can honestly tell you, if you just pay attention to it, if you haven't already figured it out, I'm sure you guys have, but um, he did not have range on Nate Diaz in that fight. And that was the only thing that fucked up anything and everything he did. His distance management was completely fucked. So now when you go to boxing, we're talking about fighting a guy who is a master at distance management. And I do understand that Connor may hit harder than Floyd, but I don't understand why anyone is even thinking that that shot will be available. Connor, unfortunately, is a one-trick pony. Um, he has uh, his power hand, and he's you know he's got a, uh, arguably. Um, well, I mean, no, he's he's a counterpuncher. I mean, that's that's really what it is. And I, I just I don't see how wind-wise he's going to make it out of this fight. He can't. It's it's you're you're absolutely right. He can't because he's going to still throw that punch, yes. and when it's not there, it's going to take all his wind just like it did in the first Nate Diaz fight. Yeah. If, if you don't connect with something, it 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 changes the entire dynamic of what you're doing physically, and it's going to take all his wind. You can't his, do that for twelve rounds. His confidence will fade after he realizes that he's in waters that he's not used to, and it's just uh, it's a behavioral pattern thing. And it's been in his other fights, and they will exploit that. But you really think that Mayweather's going to put hands on him and actually put him down, huh? Because I, in my mind, I just see, I see Mayweather pawing at him and evading him, but I don't know if I see Mayweather actually touching him on the chin. I don't know if I see that. I don't think that he will until he sees that Connor's tired. I think Connor's going to get himself tired. I think he's going to get himself tired because he knows. He knows, and he's going to be told by his fucking corner that he cannot allow this fight to go 12 rounds. There's, he cannot fucking allow that. So he's going to have to advance on this guy. So, I mean, you're, you're, the average boxer, you know, is throwing anywhere from, you know, 100, depending on their experience level, even to 500 punches around. I mean, fuck, like, you're talking about a totally different type of uh, fast twitch endurance in your shoulders, and that pulls a lot of blood away from your, uh, your respiratory system, a lot of oxygen. Um, I, I'm not trying to take the fun out of it for any of the viewers or the listeners or anyone who, who's really interested in the fight. Everyone's still going to watch it. I'm probably still going to watch it. 
<laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I'm gonna watch. They got my hundred bucks or whatever the fuck it costs. I'm gonna watch it. It's a sideshow, but I'm gonna watch. I just don't want to. I don't want to hear about anyone getting fucking suckered into losing money out of this because it 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 is what it is. You know what I mean? Well, the odds are not even as grossly in Mayweather's favor as they should be. I don't understand that at all. Me neither. Like I would certainly place. I wouldn't be above placing a Connor bet as a huge underdog just to see if I could cash in some some big coin. But that that, that option isn't even there. It's like you know, it's so close right now. I don't even understand it. If they're smart, they'll find some fucking schmoz finish so they can do this again for a second fight where both guys look just as strong. I mean, we're talking wrestling now over boxing, but, you know, I mean, there's there's always been a fix in, in high-level fucking sports. I mean, unfortunately, it's always been that way. I wouldn't be surprised if we see something very clever in this. Like, I really wouldn't. Look, I mean, I, I would say that the, the biggest win for Connor would be if he makes it all 12 rounds. Like if yeah. he gets to the end of the fight and just and loses every single round even, or if he gets one round in there, he can say, I stood toe-to-toe with the greatest in a whole other sport and didn't get my ass handed to me. And he can yeah. come back and preach that in UFC and talk about how he's the best in the world just because he didn't, you know, cash it in early. That oh, would be I that would be the biggest way to I go. Fucking do nothing, but I still survived, Justin. He didn't kill me. Sorry, I had to do that for for the chat. They they probably asking for it. <laughs> oh, they're asking for it. Right, somebody's asking for it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> terrible. So the ultimate fighter finale is uh what Michael Johnson versus Justin Gaethje. Love Gaethje. Uh, feel so bad for him that he has to fight Michael Johnson. Like pretty wow. much right out of the bat coming into UFC. That's that's kind of sucks for him. <laughs> Yeah, I, and that's the fighting like fight. He's a he's, like <laughs> he's a good fighter, but yeah, that's not that's not exactly what you want to see uh, for him. Um, and then you know Jesse Taylor versus uh, Diego Lima. That's interesting fight. Just that Jesse is back. JT Money. If you don't know this guy's story, and they haven't really been talking about it on Ultimate Fighter. So this fucking guy was on Ultimate Fighter before, was going into the fucking finale. And uh, when they wrapped at the house in Vegas, you know, this is one of those legendary Vegas stories. And Kevin, I'm sure you hear these fucking things all the time. But this kid, he goes over to, uh, they're around town and he's all fucking pumped up because he thinks he's going to be the next Ultimate Fighter or whatever. He's all fucking inflated, goes into a station casino and right out front of the station casino, Starts making a bunch of fucking chatter, talking about how he's the Fertitta's fucking boy and he can do whatever the fuck he wants in Vegas. And he's like punching windows and being a belligerent, drunken asshole to the employees and whatever. The Fertitta's fucking owned that place. And if you know anything about fucking Vegas and guys with last names of that particular particular Mm -hmm. ethnic variety, it's not exactly like you want to go mouthing off. These are not guys who like publicity. These are not guys who like show offs. These are not guys who want you to be acting like you're the king of the fucking world, even if you are. They'll back you all day until you fucking make the papers. Yeah. This guy's out here with the fucking security cameras, being a goddamn dickhead, throwing bottles around at their fucking casino. And he's using their name. So he got banned from the UFC. He went off everywhere else. He had this whole fucking career. And you want to talk about an ultimate comeback story that they let this guy in the fucking house again, that they even let him have another shot really is fucking amazing. And it's only only because the Fertitas are not 
running the UFC at this point. Like, I can't even believe Dana let it happen. I would not be surprised if Lorenzo gave him a smack in the mouth <laughs> for even letting the kid back on the show. But I just think it's hilarious. And now here we are. We're at finally an Ultimate Fighter finale, and the kid's got to fight. So this just goes to show you, though, in this world, anything can happen. You know, anything can happen. That is some funny shit. I, I, yeah, that is pretty shocking, actually, that he still has a job, especially after that. Hey, well, I mean, this is not pride. He'd, he'd have one less finger right now. I mean, this is like <laughs> seven, eight years later now, though. So, I mean, the kid, the kid did get banned for quite a long time. Um, so that's that's that card, and then uh, I think that you know the the pay per view card, the Nunez versus Shevchenko card, is interesting. I'm taking Shevchenko, by the way. I know everyone thinks I'm crazy for not taking Amanda Nunez. I just think that Shevchenko is the hardest target for Nunez. I think it's just a difficult matchup for her. I still think Nunez is better than most of the fighters out there. I, but I really think Shevchenko might have her number. Me too. She looked it's, like she was ready to fuck someone up in that public workout, man. Jesus Christ. She looked yeah. like she was going to fucking destroy somebody. So this is, this is an interesting fight. Yeah, Amanda Nunes hits really hard, and she's very strong, and uh, she has a pressure style, but I believe that somebody with superior footwork and understands how to cut good angles and get in and out can actually beat her. You're going to have to mind your distance and get her to throw. Uh, Shoshenko can find the uh, testicular fortitude to fucking uh, leave herself out there to catch the counters. I think that she could drop her, potentially get her back, and choke her the fuck out. That's what I think. And what can he, we call it for girls? Over, overistical fortitude? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I think it's still just testicular fortitude somehow. I think you just play that as an even term between men and women case. <laughs> um, the other interesting fight is Robert Whitaker versus Yoel Romero, a fight that I could have never predicted would even happen. Um, and this is the interim title fight now, I believe. And I'm taking Whitaker, which I think might be insane on my part. I don't know. Is that crazy? Uh, I don't think it's crazy. Whitaker's really good. He's really well-rounded. He can knock you out. He can submit you. Uh, Romero, I feel like, uh, just because of his last few Ws, and even though he, he fucks around a lot um, in between the rounds and stuff like that, um, I feel like that guy's in a, his own category right now, um, just in terms of athletics and how hard he hits. He's like He's in that prime of his career, and I know he's – an old man, but shit. I mean, I, I can't believe he's operating at the level he's at, at his age, especially coming from a judo background. Judo fucks up your joints, your fingers, your elbows, your shoulders, your knees. He's just like, he reminds me of TRT Vitor actually. <laughs> he does a little bit, except you know? with we with weaker knees. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it's just freaky. I think the fight could go either way, but I say that respectfully towards Whitaker. I think Whitaker has what it takes to beat him, but it'll, it'll be a freak fight. I think. No, I think so. And I mean, I'm picking, I'm picking Whitaker based on a freak knockout. I'm not picking him based on a superior skill level to Yole. I think, I think Whitaker just has these moments where if he can power through enough of Yole's shit and find that's that one sweet spot, I just think he's got that, that cannon in there where he can get him out of there with that one punch. But other than that, it it absolutely on paper should be Yoel Romero. But I'm gonna take Whitaker. I just feel it's a it's a gut feeling. Yeah. What, what about you, Case? 
Romero throws stuff towards the wind. I was just going to say, too, real quick. He throws stuff towards the wind with no intention to hit sometimes, or he throws it half-assed and guys just get away from him. Uh, if someone can take advantage of that and clip him, you know, I think that would be a good spot. But go ahead, sir. I, I think that he's going to decapitate before that happens. That's my pick is Romero just because okay. he only needs one. He only needs one. But if he misses all of them, then he's fucked. Like Kevin says, yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I think it's going to be a dope fight though. Like that one's going to be, someone's going to get fucked up. This is, this is fun. Yeah. Um, there's a few other fights on there. I think the only other one that I really find interesting is, uh, Fabricio Verdum versus Alistair Overeem. Um, Whoa. that's Whoa. a huge fight. And yeah, why now? And not 10 years ago. Well, I, but I still feel like they are at the same level of competition with each other. Like maybe not with the whole field, but I don't think that, I don't think that one of them has gained a step over the other one in those years. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like Fabricio will probably win and maybe with a, a choke, maybe if he can get it to the ground and kind of neutralize some of the Reams range, but man, I just want to see that fight. <laughs> I don't even know. Like that's just, that's just an amazing fight to see. Dude, Verdun's yeah. uh, like special to me because he was my heavyweight guy in the UFC video games because he was the only like BJJ dude at heavyweight. So I, I liked him. They're both really good. Um, I moved around with Verdun a while back uh, when he was in Vegas uh, when Vanderlei still had uh, his school open here. I mean, he still does. He's an MMA one uh, fight team here, but it's a bit of a different guard now. Um, but yeah. Um, Overeem is my guy. I can never root against him. But this is going to be, man, Overeem better fight smart on this one. He has fights where he fights really smart, and then he has fights where he does really dumb shit, and you're shaking your head, like, jaw dropped. Like, you know, he does things that, that, like, you would see on, like, the amateur circuits, like, just very bizarre things. But I think that Overeem works people quite often and winds up fighting injured a lot. Because I've heard a lot of rumors that there were most of the majority of the fights that he's lost in the United States, he was fighting hurt. He had a really, really severe back problem for a long time that he never told anybody about outside of his camp. Mm. And the information came out once he got better. And I, I have a very, very strong belief that the Stipe fight, which is one of the weirdest fights I've ever fucking seen in my life, um, I have a very strong feeling that uh, Overing had a torn groin for that fight and his lateral movement was fucked. Um, oh. I think at the time he's torn his groin. He tore it once in pride. Um, and I think it wasn't torn in the fight. I think it was torn before the fight um, because he has very good lateral movement. He has very good angles. But when you tear, when you tear your groin, um, your your movement patterns are completely different. They change. And uh, Baroni, when he fought uh, Frank Shamrock, Baroni's a good friend of mine. When he fought Frank, he tore his groin before the fight. You can see um, his movement was horrendous in that. He had to power through a lot of it. But... Um, That'll be whoever makes the first fucking mistake is going to lose, I think, for, for, for Doom and, uh, and Overeem. Whoever fucks up first is going to be on the receiving end of a heavyweight punch, which doesn't have to be very technical. It's a 240 to 265-pound man slamming his hand into your fucking head game over. So that's what I think. I got yeah, a I'm question gonna... for you, Kevin. Yeah. Now, you said you'd never root against Overeem. What if it was Overeem versus Kikutaro in a shoot fight? Because that shit almost happened, but Kikutaro said, fuck no. Really? I heard him a fight with Overeem, just as like some fucking comedy thing on a shoot. Yeah, yeah. 
I was just on the road with Kikutaro for literally 12 hours, and he never brought that up once. I can't believe he didn't fucking tell me that. I didn't even know that. That's hilarious. I would have to root for Kikutaro. You you totally got to bug him about it because he's a Vegas guy now, yeah? Like, he's in the States. I heard Excalibur tell the story on, like, I think Colt Cabana's podcast, and Colt didn't know who Overeem was, so he totally no-sold it. And I'm just like, holy shit, this is horrifying. Fuck, that's crazy. Yeah, Kikutaro is five minutes away from me. That's fucking hilarious. He's probably going to be like, I'm going to ask him, to be like, uh, Kikutaro, uh, maybe fight with Overeem? He'll be like, oh... Maybe no, fuck. <laughs> fucking hilarious. Maybe no, fuck. And and Colt didn't know who Overeem was, so Excalibur described him as the guy that is perfectly engineered to fuck your girlfriend. That was his <laughs> that was his description, which is so perfect. Yeah, pretty much. Just walk into your home and take food off of your plate and beat the shit out of you and your family and just yeah, like yeah. right Oh, that's engineering for you right there. Um, all right. So anyway, we just, that was it. That's like the whole card and between, and that's like two cards that we talked about. And that's like all there's worth to talk about, but look at this 214 card. I got to tell you this UFC 214 card completely overshadowing everything. First, you got all the hype around cyborg finally getting a shot at her belt. Cause it's basically a belt they created for her. Um, Megan Anderson was supposed to fight her. And then pulled out for mysterious fuck all reasons. Nobody knows, which is the weirdest thing ever. And it's not coming out either. Like no one is talking about it. Um, but now she's getting Tanya Evinger. And I love Tanya. She's surly. She's sassy. She's fun. She's a champ over an in Invicta or was until they snatched her up. But she's a 135er. I mean, Cyborg's a, a true 45. Oh, she's Cyborg's a 155er. Who are we kidding? Like, how is Tanya going to have a chance? And I love that Tanya's getting her UFC shot, but I don't know if this is the way to do it. Like, I don't know, Casey, what do you think? Like I, we were excited when it was Megan Anderson, but are we still excited now that it's Tanya Evinger versus cyborg? I, I'm just excited to see cyborg fuck somebody up. I don't care who it is, Justin. That's what's going to fucking happen. I mean, like, it, you know, I was, I was more excited before, but it's still going to be, just somebody getting ragdolled, I bet. Like, hey, come on. I We've seen cyborg fights. They're fucking nuts, dude. Yeah. I concur. Um, she's in her own fucking category. And, um, you know, every, someone will have their Ronda Rousey moment with her where they catch her with something and they drop her. But I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm wondering how making weight is going to uh, – if that's ever going to become an issue for Cyborg, though, I think that'll be the one thing that will catch up with her. If it's not like a piss test gone wrong, it will be at some point her body will just be like, fuck you, and will not be able to make weight anymore. But mm -hmm. I mean, well, yeah, and the cut to 145 is still hard for her. Like, we're not even talking 135, which they were trying to get her down to. That's insane. She had a, a murderous time at 140, and 145 still is not a good look on her. I mean, the girl is solid muscle. <laughs> it's, it's a tough, it's a tough, tough cut for her. So I kind of agree. I don't know. Megan Anderson would be interesting, but I feel like it's a year and a half too soon in her career too. But I think that, you know, cyborg will probably run through Tanya. Um, and hopefully Tanya will be able to erase that by dropping to 35 in UFC and getting some big fights. And, you know, then cyborg can go on to maybe face Megan. Cause there's not a whole lot of options for her. 
Um, but it's interesting. So then this card has turned into something amazing. So you got Cormier versus Jones at the top, which <laughs> that tweet from Cormier. Read the tweet. Where, read the tweet. Oh, I don't even know if I ha- I don't have it up. Some Byron, find the tweet for me and read it. Um, the tweet's amazing. The the shit talking between these two guys is a- at a whole nother level. And the really really sad thing about it, Dana White still doesn't think this fight's gonna happen. He's got it booked. It's on the card. He's leaving twenty five minutes available for it to happen. But he genuinely does not know that they're going to actually make it there without something going wrong. He doesn't trust John Jones. He's not bullshitting when he says that he really booked the rest of this card to be so phenomenal because he, the, the damn promoter doesn't even believe this fight's going to happen. I got the tweet guys. I got the tweet. Yeah. All right. Read the tweet. Yo, Johnny bones. Yo, Johnny bones. Congrats on your suspension for steroid abuse getting lifted today. <laughs> Only a few more weeks now. So please no fuck ups. Thanks. <laughs> DC shots fired by DC. That is the classiest, most awesome shit talking tweet ever in MMA. <laughs> oh, there's there's a good response for some random fan. He says, "Hopefully you can make weight this time." And he posts a little cake and a hot dog emoji after it. So that's a good comeback. But it wasn't bones. I saw somebody posted a picture of him leaning on that fucking towel too, which was the best heel move in all of, of <laughs> martial arts history. And if oh, Cormier shit, doesn't like, know why he's the heel at this point, man, he, he just needs to look at that photo for a while. He leaned on a towel, for Christ's sakes. It was amazing. <laughs> All right, so you got Cormier Jones. You got uh, Tyron Woodley versus Damian Maya. Oh. That belt. You got Cyborg versus Avenger. And then this little flight slipped onto the card. I don't know if you heard. Um, Robbie Lawler versus Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Yep. What the fuck? Like that's a, that's a pay per view by itself. Like I would pay fifty dollars just for that fight. <laughs> yeah, shit, man. If that that's gonna be like five rounds of just fucking bloodshed. That's only three. That's a three round fight. That's uh, yeah. I'm fight. sorry, three rounds. I don't know what I was thinking, but yeah, fuck, dude. That that fight. Okay, I think it's gonna go the distance, and I think it's just gonna have two bloody hamburger messes at the end of it, and it's gonna be awesome. Oh, I don't know, man. I think these boys are both so stupid that once they start banging in the second round, one of them's going down. Like, they're going to bang. They're going to do something stupid. And, and the funny thing is, Cowboy could easily beat Robbie if he took it to the ground. Like, Cowboy's jiu-jitsu beats Robbie's wrestling all day long. He's never going to do that. But he'll never do it. He'll oh. never do it in a million years. They're going to stand there and bang. Like, they're... Uh, oh. I, I almost feel bad because I feel like one of them might just end the other one's career, and I have no idea which one. Dude, yeah, some people just like punching people in the fucking face. Let them go at it. Let them go at it. What were you gonna say, Kevin? I was gonna say, yeah, seriously. I mean, that it's. I think it's gonna be that level too. I think they're both gonna kind of going into this knowing that they need the knockout bonus. They're both kind of fucked up. They're a little chummy with each other. Um, I think that they're definitely going in to make this a one rounder, for sure, one way or the other. Yeah, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be fireworks. And then you also got uh, Jimmy Manuel versus uh, Vulcan Ozdemir for the yes, we're also in two hundred five fight of the night. <laughs> like Wait nobody even remembers Wait, these guys are light heavyweights anymore. His name what? is fucking Vulcan, like fucking Spock. Is that is that what you said, Justin? Vul- Vulcan Ozdemir. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You Vulcan. just like when I say you just like to make me say the the crazy names like Joanna Zinchichik. Yeah, but you can say that. 
All right. Well, here's Instead another weird name for you. Aljamain Sterling. Aljamain Sterling mm-hmm. versus Hinnon, not Renan, Hinnon Barrow. Mm-hmm. Um, Super Sage Northcutt versus John McDessie, which is actually a pretty good skill level battle right there. Uh, Doohoy Choi. What were you going to say, Kev? That's a really cool stand-up fight, that right there, McDessie and uh, Sage. Yeah. It's a, it's a good, like, you know, karate versus taekwondo kind of fight. Like, I think you're going to get to see something fun there. Better than watching Sage against a wrestler. That's just stupid. Hey, um, I've been watching a lot of speedball fights, so I'm in the mood for some taekwondo action. Then you've got the... Fight. You're crazy. It's, I knew you were going get, to get back to DDT eventually, right? Um, uh, Kalen, Kalen Curran, no relation to uh, the other Currens that I was talking about before, versus Stitch Albu. And then you got Duho Choi versus uh, Andre Touchy Feely. Mm-hmm. That's a gr- that's a great card. Like that's the super great, fight great card. card. Touchy Feely, horrible fucking nickname. Learn to market yourself. We got a guy on the show called Fucking Killer here, and then you got a guy named Touchy Feely. Come on, come on. Okay, what's 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 worse, that or Uncle Creepy? Dude, Uncle Creepy's fucking great. You know how much I love fucking Creepy. And eerie, the, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big horror comics guy. Of course, I'm gonna put over Uncle Creepy. Come on, come on. The dude's last name is Feely. You know he didn't ask for that nickname. One of his coaches was like, "Kid, you're Touchy Feely. That's your fucking name. Go out there and fight." <laughs> like he had a choice about this. I don't think you picked nobody, this. this nobody name. has the choice. Nobody has the choice of their nicknames in MMA. That's why we get horrible fucking names. But you know oh. what, Bruce Leroy. Bruce Leroy got Bruce Leroy. So there you go. I feel, right. I, feel like, uh, I feel like if Uncle Creepy trained with uh, Ray Longo in New York, they would have called him like Uncle Fuckhead or something. Oh, yeah. Hey, Uncle Fuckhead, try to slip the jab. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Fucking Stugats over here, this guy. I want to make I want to make the documentary or the – actually, no, the, uh, the, the biopic of Chris Weidman just so I can have Ray Longo and Matt Sarah characters. Come on. Matt Sarah, his nickname is Terror because it somehow rhymes with Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) This is why I love these guys. You got to make a movie about these dudes. The day that that name, the day long ago, you know, it was long ago too, right? Like, yeah, you're Matt to Tara Sarah. That rhymes. (laughs) And then he's like, what the fuck, Bruce Buffett? You're making it sound like shit. Matt the Terror Sarah. No, it's supposed to rhyme, Bruce. <laughs> See the whole corner. You fucked it up again, this fucking. <laughs> oh, so it's such good stuff. All right, Kevin, you got anything else you want to add? We're going to do a couple other things here, but uh, we have inter- we have dragged you through almost two hours of this thing. Oh, my God. How'd you hold up? Thank with us? you, Kevin. Thank yeah. you. You've outlasted any guest on in MMM show history, I believe. Well, it's because he also knows MMA. Yeah. <laughs> fucking right. Well, I think yeah. we're a little bit fucking disturbed, so we all compliment each other a little bit. Just yes. A little. Um, what do I want to plug? Well, you know, I got that YouTube channel where I constantly post shit all the time. It's Killer Cross uh, YouTube channel. It's a lot of free content. The entire channel is very much um, a very long narrative from the beginning of my career to now. I'm constantly posting stuff. Instagram account cross is going to kill you because I may actually fucking will and I'll get away with it and uh, If anyone sees the criminal activity and attempts to go to the police. I just like to let everyone know that 
I'm pretty sure it's like eight months to trial. So I'll fucking find you. You know what I mean? I'll fucking find you. And then uh, there's also this Twitter thing that everyone's doing. I'm doing that as well. It's across the world, A-K-R-O-S-S, the world. And uh, I have a Facebook page. And I have a Pro Wrestling Tees uh, website, the Kevin Cross store. And uh, go fuck yourself. Is that all right? Is that okay? I mean, I just thought it'd be uh, where we're at in the show. I thought I'd just throw a curveball. Is that all right? GFY World Order right there. GFY World Order. I have a shirt. acting up. The medication's wearing off. So, you know, all the F-bombs are going to start coming out for no particular reason at all. So it's okay. As soon as I joined the show, we got an explicit. You can say whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. We we tried. We used to try to keep it PG, but Casey fucking ruins it every week. Um. Oh, and we owe you a shout out because I believe that you got one of our MMM show shirts. Oh, we appreciate that very greatly. My pleasure. My pleasure. I saw that you guys were talking about that on the last show, and I asked you to put a link out there. So, um, yeah. Uh, I will be sporting that, uh, perhaps maybe even at a AAA show. Nice. We look forward to it being soaked in Phantasma's blood or Tejano's blood. Well, and you asking us to put the link out there also inspired a few other people, uh, a couple fans of ours and a couple fans of yours to also buy a shirt. So uh, thank you for that very much because that keeps us in business because I hate to pay hosting fees out of my own pocket, damn it. (laughs) I hear you. I always appreciate you guys plugging my stuff and, and keeping me in the in the thoughts of uh, of the masses because uh, for me it's no longer a conspiracy that all major companies know who I am and they are doing their absolute best to suppress my existence. That was a work, but it's it's actually no longer a work. And maybe I'll just wait until season four airs to get more into the details of that. Uh, yeah, uh, it's no problem. I can tread water for a very long fucking time. Well, you are a patient man, my friend, and thank you very much. And people are noticing, too. I mean, look, the Keeping It 100 guys, they've mentioned you fucking like four weeks in a row at one point in time. I mean, you were sponsoring a whole segment on the show and didn't have anything to do with it. Like, yeah. you know, people people know who the fuck you are these days. I don't think I think the secret's out. You're a man yeah. to be reckoned well, We want to tell people to run out and watch your match with Michael Elgin. And we want to tell them to run out and watch fucking Kenta versus Ricky Martin. Uh, Marvin, did I say Martin? Jesus Christ. And I'm supposed to be the fucking expert. God damn it. Where do we find the Elgin fight? Is there a link or where do we send people? Uh, Wrestling has a channel on YouTube where you can you can watch uh, you can watch that match on Modern Vintage Wrestling channel on YouTube. And I believe there's also a match with me and Jeff Cobb at Maverick Pro where we beat the holy shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was a good one too. Very shooty, Sammy Guevara match up there as well, and uh, uh, just recently uh, Tyler Bateman. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff out there, a lot of stuff out there. My most my most recent matches are the ones I'm most proud of because I'm able to uh, navigate into the uh, hyperviolent waters that I've been trying to get to for quite some time. So, well, when are you back at FSW? Don't you still have uh, some beef with the with the Reno scum over there? Yeah, uh, we got to conclude uh, that business, which has been uh, brewing and stirring since last November. Uh, that's going to be July 29th. Future Stars of Wrestling, Las Vegas. Uh, Silverton Hotel and Casino is going to be a six-man tag. Uh, me with the 86ers, Remy the Gent, and Jack the Reaper versus the Reno Scum, and Ryan Taylor. And uh, it's been oh, a long shit. history. 
us there. Yeah, it's going to be a good match. And then uh, I'll be back out in L.A. probably, if not for the next bar event, which I believe is August 19th or 18th. If I'm not there at that one, I'll be at the next one for sure. Yeah, I'm hoping to get out to that I bar event. Say, Kevin, I've been watching Ryan Taylor since he first started wrestling, and I'm sorry you're going to have to kill him. <laughs> Me too. He just he made a fucking poor choice at the FSW 8th uh, anniversary show. We had a match. He needed an opportunity. I gave him one. Hit me with some brass knuckles, uh, I think three times. And, uh, you know, now you got to pay the fucking toll, which is going to be time off of his life. That's the currency. Exactly. Because if you're going to hit somebody like Kevin Cross with brass knuckles, you better fucking make sure he doesn't get up. 100%. And I always do. And that's kind of the fucking problem, isn't it? For him. Yeah. <laughs> For him, it is. Well, and, and yeah, I wish I could have gotten out to bar wrestling, but uh, you guys know that I just couldn't make that happen. But a lot of the listeners of this show were there. And uh, it's one of the reasons why we definitely wanted to have Kevin on this week, because a lot of people were like, they just saw him uh, on. It was on Fourth of July, right? During the day on Fourth of July at bar wrestling. Yeah, it was an awesome crowd. Really good show. Really good turnout. Excellent matches back to back. It was awesome. A lot of PWG people there. I actually really like to break into that uh, little community. Um, but yeah, a lot of PWG people were there. A lot of the listeners from the show and a lot of Temple people as well. Yeah, it's weird because I live like three blocks away from PWG and uh, I, I never get to it because I can't ever seem to get tickets, even though it's like PWG is bringing in Walter from Germany. I want to see Cross versus Walter. Somebody fucking book that match. <laughs> Maybe if the PWG gods are with us. So, all right, Kevin. Well, thank you for being on the show very much. And um, we're going to go and do our little review thing here, but appreciate it. Anytime you want to stop by, we really much, we really can't uh, stop you from doing that. So <laughs> just waltz right the fuck in. Yeah. I, I very yeah. may will. You know, I might. This is, this is a good probability that that'll happen. <laughs> Yeah, I have a feeling. Byron's a pushover. <laughs> yeah, I'll send, you, I'll send you the link. Very good, guys. Thank you for having me. I always appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, sir, you. and enjoy enjoy the Thank MMM you. show merchandise. We'll see you again soon. Right, man. Thank you. Wow. Killer Cross, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I know I say this every week, but I fucking love that guy. Well, awesome. yeah, I mean, of course you say it every week because he's just a lot of fun. I mean, he's a, he's a kindred spirit. He's a sick, twisted son of a bitch. We got to talk about this Lucha Underground episode, though, and I didn't want to have Kevin here because um, I might have to bury a couple of three things. Yeah, and you know what, Justin? I want to help you with that, but my back teeth are floating right now, so please introduce the episode, and I'll I will be right introduce the episode. You go, you go float your back teeth. Um, Byron and I can get it started a little bit. Actually, Byron, while you're here, before he comes back, yeah. Couple things about New Japan. I mentioned it earlier. Why 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 hey, fuck does... you, fuck you. No, not but no. He's gonna be talking about this twenty minutes by the time I get back. God damn it. He doesn't have twenty minutes in him. Go piss. I All have right. twenty minutes in me. Listen. Listen. What? Zack Saber Jr., am yeah. I crazy? Did, did did you really like that match on day one yeah. there? Yeah, no, I like Zack Sabre Jr. I like what he does. It's it's different, and he's a, you know he's like a string bean in the ring. It kind of is hard to buy him as being believable, but I think he does. He presents himself in a way that he's able to be um, effective. When you know some stuff is gonna look really silly if you tried it. So it's like saying my seventy-year-old mom's effective. No, because you want to believe he it. He doesn't do. 
the same stuff that he does. No, I, it's just, I, I like what he does. I, th I think he's good, but I also think uh, he's, a, he's very specific. And uh, Casey brought up in the DM that he needed Suzuki gun. And I think that's true. I think he needed a little bit of something around him to legitimize him a little bit in New Japan. Um, but I mean, still, I mean, Will Ospreay, if you're going to look at those, like those British guys, those small British guys, uh, Will Ospreay is like heads above all of them. Um, he's like the total package. He can go against different styles. When you see a Sabre match, you don't like his matches. You don't like the type of stuff he does. I want to like him though. And I like the type but, of stuff he does. I just don't think I like him doing it, which means but, that he's not yeah. over with me. Yeah, but I, th I think every match, I've only seen a handful of his matches, and I really like them. If I had to watch the same 20 minutes of wrist locks every single week, I don't Have you guys ever seen Austin Powers? The movie? Yeah, that's, that's kind of like what just happened when I went to the bathroom. Do you remember <laughs> Austin Powers? Uh, this is awful. Which one? <laughs> So, First I, one. I, I, so I, I mean, I like it. I like it. And that, you know, I like sexy with junior. So, okay. yeah. all right. So day one, Byron, we're just going to talk yeah. about day one because I know you were there and a lot of other Lucha <laughs> people were there. Day one, I stood in line. I have not seen day two. So day one, highlight. I hope I get this much time for DDT after this. Jesus Christ. Day one highlights, Byron. My brother seven. I stood in line for uh, like intermission and two matches, and I got nothing because everything was sold out. All the merch worth buying was sold out. So I wait, wait. Your day one highlight day. is not getting merch. That's your day no, one highlight. Day one, so day one was awesome. I saw a bunch of the of the um, wrestling uh, Twitter, which is really cool. I want to give a shout out. Hashtag kill your friends. Um, I was out there with J Man and Vic. It was really cool. Uh, we yeah, saw and I hung out with these guys too. And I cool. got this free shirt. I didn't go I'm to the not, wrestling, but I got the free Bruce Lee shirt because I drink Bruce tea, the taste of a new generation. Yeah, uh, it's delicious. My, this, it doesn't count as my new Japan time, Casey, talking about iced tea. <laughs> Dude, first of all, there's no ice involved. No. It's just a bottle. It contains ginseng and royal jelly, so it makes you know your man parts bigger. And it gives you like... Uh, you know, strong energy. And um, th these are not evaluated by the Food and Drug Association. Um, they're just clinical tests done on myself. So it was, it was really cool. I was, uh, it was really cool because, um, family owned by the, I never thought that I'd see these guys live, you know, like I probably could have seen juice, juice live at NXT or whatever. He, I like them, but also like whatever, but you got like, Tanahashi, Naito, um, all these guys, Jushin Thunder Liger threw an open palm in someone's face, did all of his bits. It was awesome. It was really cool. I had a great time. Um, the Okada-Cody match, I think, was the biggest match of the whole, just biggest thing of the whole weekend because we got to see... I don't like Cody Rhodes. And uh, we got to see uh, an Okada match which was awesome. A title defense. Those are always, they're guaranteed to be almost an hour long and great. Well, and that, yeah, that thing ran 50 minutes. Like does Okada have a short match in his repertoire at this point? No. I mean, he's to, to put it in J man's words. Uh, he's the real world champ. I mean, Raw struggles to put on an hour of entertaining TV 
and Okada can just do it in one match. You know, well, um, for a guy whose finisher is a fucking clothesline, basically, that's pretty amazing that he can come up with 50 minutes of shit to do every single time. Yeah, I mean, he's a drop kick and a clothesline, and also he's Peter not um, he, like bro. upon upon looking at him, he's not really. You know, you wouldn't think he's the best clothesline too. Like you look at his frame, he's not going to throw like a Stan Hansen lariat or anything. But he lays it in. He makes it look great, and it's a huge move. And well, and everybody knows to sell for him too, man. Let's let's not yeah. let's not discount the sell. Things you like oh, a absolutely. top, like it's presented, it's pre- He's the top guy. He's the ace, and he and his finish are pre- presented that way. It's it's great, top to bottom. You don't have a match like in WWE where everyone's going to kick out of finishes for five minutes. You know, when you see his move, you get it. When you see the Rainmaker clothesline, you get excited. So um, that was really cool. But I think that the real big thing was, can Cody can Cody hang? That's the big yeah. question because a lot of people don't think he could. Um, he was born and raised WWE style when it comes to his wrestling career. Well, and so what did you been, think? What was your takeaway from seeing it live? Do you think that Cody lived up to the the hype that he's getting right now? I think I think um, at the end of the day, Cody did because I think Cody was over. He got a lot of booze. He I, he may have worked the crowd a bit more, but he may have been excited. His character is really solid now, the American Nightmare, and I'm sure he moved a bunch of merch. He's been moving a ton of merch, and like that's and he sold tickets, and that's what people. His name is what people are talking about. So. Well, now, I don't know so if you watched the broadcast the yet, but, you know, all that JR matters. was selling the whole time was that there might be uh, a fight for the leadership of the Bullet Club between him and Kenny Omega Brewing. There was a, there was a thing about that. I mean, Kenny came down with, uh, with a towel, which I thought was awesome because Cody came down with a towel in Kenny's match. For what reason? I don't know. Um, but, yeah, so that's going to be really cool. And the thing about that is... You know, you know the belt is going to if if it's going off of Okada, it's going to Omega on a third match, and there's only one one show that's going to be big enough for the third match, and that's going to be in January. So you have six Kingdom? months. Kingdom? Yeah, so you have six months of TV. You have six months to fill. So what do you do? You're going to have this really great Cody. You have and, Cody and Kenny and pass Omega. around the U.S. and the Ring of Honor belts. I don't think they pass the belts around. I think I think they have grudge matches. I don't know what the deal is with the US belt. I know Omega is going to be defending it on US shows. I don't know if the Ring of Honor belt is going to be. I'll uh, save that. I That's day two. We'll have all next week to talk about that. We got to talk about so some much under groups. So many belts. I think Cody did a good job. I think that you know he worked for what they needed. But he still missed a couple of things. They're still, he's not, he's not up there work rate wise and he's still learning. I thought his match with Chris Daniels was really good, but he still, he still get, he's still trying to keep up with these guys. He's still trying. I think he should have to work a program with Ishii. I you know, think, that, I think that should be mandatory. Like he should have to work like a yeah. three month program with Ishii and then just, let's just see how he does with that. <laughs> But you, you know, yeah, oh, absolutely. But um, this is a day two thing, so I won't. But it's a multi man match, so it's whatever. 
um, he you'll see some fire between him and Osprey. All right. You really well, will. We'll, we'll get to day that, two next week, and I'll give you some more time because we we had a guest yeah. this week, so we're running. You do you do want to see behind the, Josh the big tag match? You do want to see the big tag match on day two. It's a lot of fun. When I see New Japan Pro Wrestling, I want to see a bunch of fucking hockeys fighting each other. Let's, let's well, and that's on. that's kind of what I was talking about. Like, I don't I don't know if I see this Cody Kenny thing making sense because of that alone. All right, Casey, Let's, talk to uh, me about some DDT. I'll give you some DDT uh, time because I promised you. No, I'd rather I'd rather say that because I want to talk about the loop show with two Mexicans on it. How about that? Byron, whatever your sound is doing is making us all echoey again. No, I'm watching Lucha Underground while Casey talks. No, Casey's echoing and I'm echoing. Everyone's echoing and it's because of your sound. Watch, if I mute you, it goes away. See, it's gone now. It's all gone and everything's good. Now I unmute you and everything sounds like a fucking Grand Canyon echo. This happens every you know week what, with Byron now. You know what it is? It's, it's Byron's his, Dude, it's his large gaping asshole, apparently. Now we're getting other weird feedback. Turn us down. We're too loud. How do I hear you? How do you hear us? You put your face closer to the speaker. Okay, I don't so headphones anymore. Wait, all no, this, it sounds good. Byron, you just need to buy new headphones. What are you saying, Case? Uh, all this talk about DDT, I was just like, uh, I, I mean, all this talk about New Japan just made me kind of think, uh, I, I don't care. I in, there's a lot of promotions I just don't care about, but DDT, I noticed that Speedball Bailey was getting a title shot coming up, and I'm like, I need to fucking see this shit because Speedball Bailey is one of my favorite wrestlers in the world. And, and how uh, does one watch that? You have to watch it on DDT Universe or whatever their their yeah. over the top thing is. DDTUniverse.com. It's pretty dope. Uh, it's nine hundred yen a month, and the conversion rate's so crazy. It's like seven dollars a month now for uh, for US dollars. Um, it's not bad. It's under eight bucks for sure, and you get DDT, but you get like all these other promotions that DDT also runs um like basaro pro wrestling uh which is kind of like their ddt there's there's dna which is ddt new attitude which is kind of like you see a lot more outside people there uh and younger guys coming up uh so it's almost it, it's also kind of like their minor league um gets you uh tokyo joshi pro which is their women's group which um they have a fucking zombie and she's pretty she's pretty awesome they never let her win but oh that girl that girl is uh ddt's uh, women's division thing yeah yeah she's if wow's looking for talent sign the fucking zombie and push her because ddt is not doing it um and and the gimmick's hilarious and she plays it great and the audience is actually like really freaked out by her uh which is great uh we'll see and they also what wow's have... gonna do i'm gonna look into their talent roster because i don't even know who all they have right now but I'll come back next week and find out who they've got because maybe they should get some Japanese talent. That'd be interesting, dude. You gotta see. You gotta see Mill Clown. Um, it's it's the girl that's the champion. I forget her name right now, but she's got kind of like a genie gimmick when she's regularly regularly wrestling as the champion. But when she's Mill Clown, she has this horrifying clown mask with a big tongue that hangs out, and she wrestled Candice LeRae under that gimmick. So you might be able to find that outside of DDT Universe. Interesting, um, but. Hey, if anyone needs to needs to know who to sign, just ask Joey Ryan. He was special referee for some of the matches there. 
Joey Ryan just likes to do things with women in wrestling. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Physically. He was very uh, enamored with Nanoko, who is um curvy woman, kind of fights with certain appendages that aren't her arms and legs. Joey was a big fan. Hey, whatever Joey's fetishes may be, I'm sure they're better than JBL's. Do you guys yeah. want to hear something really cool? It's better than what Casey has to say. Um, apparently at the GFW Impact taping, a kendo stick flew into the crowd and hit a girl in the head. <laughs> you know what? I have, I have a story about that, but we can't tell it yet. Yet. And it not really yet. It really bothers me that that fan did not sell it too. But we'll, we'll talk about yeah. it later. All right. Speaking of not selling, let's talk about Lucha Underground. Um, oh, we, oh, the opening ahead. segment was fucking dope, Justin. Okay, the PTSD segment um, where Dante, we finally see this thing that was in the season three trailer so many moons ago. Dante's getting his Boyle Heights jog on. And yes, people, jogging through Boyle Heights does trigger your PTSD. That's yeah. just the way that goes, it, it, and and rightfully so. So he's freaking out a little bit, and we see a flashback to the 37 kills promo that oh. we all loved so many moons ago from Killshot, except this time we find out that Dante is locked away in the basement while Killshot's out there having fun mowing everyone down, mows everyone down except apparently whoever's guarding Dante and leaves his ass behind. And he almost gets his head cut off with a fucking scimitar. Or however the fuck you pronounce it. Scimitar. A bastard sword. Scimitar. A bastard sword. That's what they call it in Dungeons and Dragons, right? Justin, you're the you're the dungeon master of the group. Yes, it is a, a bastard cleaver or cleave or sword. But yeah, he almost gets his, his head cut off by a couple guys that were just a pair of pointy shoes away from being as stereotypical as like the Iron Sheik or something, but uh now, I'll tell you what I thought was sad about this segment. The special forces breaks in um, and sets Dante free. But I was a little mad that they kind of showed that guy's face. I almost feel like they shouldn't have just in case they ever wanted to use that for another angle. Like, why show us this random special forces guy? Was it a no, was it EV Dub's brother or something? Like, why? Why? I it was the doctor again. No, was it, it wasn't the doctor. No, it wasn't. This I, thought guy it might be. I was hoping it was him. I was I was hoping it was like someone you guys would recognize, like it was this mysterious skip that you guys keep talking about or something. But, skip, uh, I still need to try to get on the show now that I have a regular schedule again. Was it the Waffle Waffle Cakes guy? I don't know who it was. No, it wasn't Waffle House. Now the funny thing is, I know who it is, and I'm not going to tell you who the special it's forces like, guy was. You know who the like special Son forces Madden. is. I know who Son of Madness is, and I'm not going to tell any of you. Actually, I'm going to tell you when we get to that part. But, right, um, that. no, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it looks kind of like one of my old teachers at CSUN that's the director of the show, but I don't think it was really him. Oh. Um, <laughs> He'll love that. So, But I love the segment. This was a great way to kick off the show. These are the little things about Lucha Underground that I love. It was just uh, – it, it wasn't a storyline that we didn't know even. Like, we know that – you know, mm. Dante's been yelling at Killshot for leaving him behind. We knew that there was something to it. This didn't really dive any further into it. It was just a visual representation of what we kind of already knew, and it was kind of awesome. We didn't know that curved swords were involved. They had curved swords. Curved swords. 
Well, yeah, it's like the difference between saying a guy is a skeleton ninja and then seeing him be a skeleton ninja. No, but you guys don't play Skyrim, so you don't get the reference right now. God damn it. But you know what? I bet the chat room is fucking marking out right now. I'm sure Urban gets it. Guys from Hammerfall. Curved Swords. Curved Swords. But anyway, um... Yes, it is true. It is true that JR wants to call Samoa versus Brock. Don't know if it's going to happen, though. Um, sorry, that was just a an answer for the chat room. But yes, I have heard that that is the case. Um, I, okay, I, so I can only guess next- ask that un- off-topic question, Mister Krabs. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sexy Star versus the Darewolf PJ Black has to be your favorite match of the whole Quato Cup. Fast forward, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. Yeah. Look, it's not a lot to say. Not much of a match. Uh, Dolce had the nice Dolce dive in there. Um, Taya comes to the ring, and any match where Taya comes to the ring is okay by me, especially from where I was sitting. Um, Sexy laid out PJ with the knuckles that Taya was trying to throw in. Fucking cheater. What a cheater. Fuck. Fucking cheater. Well, she got DQ'd. She got DQ'd (laughs) in in, in a rare... Yeah. Uh, almost unheard of. Justin Borden DQ in Lucha Underground. Has Justin Borden just not talked to his boss about the way things are supposed to go down in Lucha no, Underground? No, no, no. Justin Borden, Justin Borden with the great officiating. As much, you know... You Marty, slipped a 20 in his pocket, didn't you? You Marty, did this. Marty, I'm sorry, but I, I fucking love Justin Borden this week. He, he, he wins my referee award for this week, Marty. I'm sorry. They covered and said that now they're enforcing rules in the ring for the tournament. Well, Stryker didn't know what to say because obviously the fix was in. Obviously Casey put a 20 spot in his back pocket or some sexy star hater clearly paid for this to happen. Like, I, I believe the fix was in. No, there's never been a brass knucks DQ in Lucha Underground before. Why in the second half of season three is this the time we start with the DQs? Come on. Because because no one's stupid enough to use brass knuckles in front of the fucking referee's face like Sexy Star was. All I'm right. sorry she's dumb and that Justin's a good referee. All right. Her dive was good, though. So anyway, uh, Borden got himself that. knocked the fuck out for his efforts, though, Sexy Star, because, look, she can punch through a wall. Clearly, she can punch through a Justin Borden. Just call him like I see him. Um, big fight package time. Another thing that Casey's a huge fan of. Michael Chavello, the big guy, Bosch. You know, um, if this wasn't 20 minutes long, maybe the edits would have been better in Killshot versus Dragon Azteca Jr. Oh, wow. Okay, uh, so the fight package thing, is it getting old to you now, Casey? Are you hating seeing I this every week? I like it in the first place. It feels like it doesn't uh, belong in this show. Like, it's changing the identity of the show that I love the fucking identity that they had before. Like, but, dude, uh, come on. The Mundo one-liners, like, right here, right now, I'm the best, so suck it, Ray. <laughs> come on, Mundo's Johnny, a genius. Okay, Johnny Mundo's hilarious. Six big scars and abs. Awesome. He could have he could have said all of this during the no time for pants segment, and it would have felt more like it belonged on the show. Is all, all I'm right. saying. Maybe uh, I, I think maybe it is taking away from Taya's uh, documentary that she's supposed to be making too. I would kind of like to see more of that. So maybe we're done with it now. Like I, I I like these at first. I did like the shout out from Ray to Puma with the picture of Conan 
Um, I find it interesting that yeah. they haven't uh, uh, written Conan out of the entire history of Lucha Underground. It's very interesting that he's still there. They keep that. It's they're making a point to use him as much as possible. Next week, Ray will say, Maybe. "I buried Conan." <laughs> Well, I mean, I think Ray Ray and Conan are still friends. No, but they are. They are. Yeah, but it's um, it's just weird that Vampiro took credit for burying Conan. That's all. Well, I mean, you know the he real buried, story, right? I mean, like, there's just reasons for him not to be there, and and he can still have all the friends in the world. Yeah, you know what? Maybe he meant he buried him on commentary because he was always burying him on commentary. That oh. kind of makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I don't, don't think there's any I'm sorry, left. DJ. I'm sorry. I just didn't think long enough last time. I didn't. Dude, don't apologize to DJ now because DJ still got a couple, three things coming. I doubt that DJ's still listening to the show at this point, but maybe he is. Yeah. <laughs> or we maybe he fast forwarded to this part because he wants to know what we think about um, this next match that I'm going to talk about. The uh, Sons of Anarchy match here. The Open Road versus The Open Road. And apparently The Open Road only has one clothing store. Either that or the Lucha Underground prop department can only find uh, so many outfits. Okay. So What's the deal here? Maybe they ordered too many of the costumes. Of the Son of Havoc costume. That's the costume. Remember, remember, we're order. Kevin Cross, remember when we were talking to Kevin Cross right now? Move it. Byron, you remember how we were just talking to Kevin Cross? Yeah. And uh, and we talked about Kevin Masterson wrestling Kevin Cross in the dark match. No, I don't remember that. That's I who, That's who Son of Havoc little doppelganger is. Son of Madness is Kevin Masterson. If you watch uh, if you watch classic wrestling from Hollywood, you might recognize him there. Um, you might recognize him under his other gimmick, Johnny Goodtime who fucking rules and was part of the rock nest monsters. They did some PWG appearances with Johnny Yuma as his partner. I'm not going to lie. And I honestly did not know that was him Casey. And I do watch uh, classic wrestling from Hollywood on the fight app. Wait, yeah, and I did not know. It was him. Are you saying I'm so, old school. I'm so old school. I remember him as rock and Randy rocket who was kind of like an 80s glam guy mixed with like a ripoff of the macho man before he was Johnny Goodtime. I saw that shit. I was there. I was at ringside. I used to make signs for Johnny Goodtime looking like Mega Man and shit beating up people. Okay, I but so now you're making me feel bad because I actually kind of dig him, but I also think that this is hands down the absolute worst angle that Lucha Underground has ever portrayed on television to date. Yeah. Hate it. You know, why do we need a clone? character when there's going to be another one in the next match on the same fucking show that has already been established with oh uh, the johnny the johnny mundos character or ricky yeah. mundos well and i don't know because there's more doppelgangers in this episode than than twin peaks come on i mean what's different what's different about the son of open road story and the kill shot dante story it sucks your guy well it's just it's the same thing it's like this guy needs something to do. What if someone from his past comes and hunts him down again, dude, and steals his cut? Look, man, I, mean, I, mean, um, time, I wouldn't like, be, I wouldn't be mad Dante, if Son of Havoc wasn't getting an angle. Let's just put it that Dante, way. At least Dante Fox wears cargo pants, which I think he wears to the arena too. 
You know, I no one's uh, gonna tell AR what to wear. <laughs> he's not up you know what? Kevin Masterson is a is a really good wrestler, and I've seen him. You know, I think he's at his best when he's wrestling bigger dudes. Like this match a- wasn't even bad as far as Son of Havoc matches go. This match is not even that bad, but I still couldn't stand it. Like the sight of two of this gimmick. And even when we're sitting there in the crowd, like we're trying to cheer, we're right in the front row. And notice last week you saw lots of cutaways of us because we were popping hard the whole time. You saw zero cutaways of us, and we were right there in the front row, right next yeah, to Vamp this entire match. And you saw us going. You saw us do a welcome back chant for Dragon Azteca because we were playing along and did that even though he wrestled the fucking week before for us. Okay. That's true. But Returning to the temple from last week. <laughs> but you know what? We knew what was up, so we we did that welcome back chant. We started that. You're welcome. You're welcome. But we're polite fans that understand TV tapings. No, and we fucking we 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 like those two guys. But shit, man, I I do gotta say, seeing a lot of Johnny Goodtime matches, I think he's best when he's wrestling against a bigger guy and fighting from underneath. This match, he was the big guy. Yeah, you know and. I don't know. It was an all right match. It's just, I don't think it's the best utilization of him. And once this feud's over, where the fuck do you go? Unless you team these guys, which is like, eh, I mean, so, so what is the angle? Is somebody else send this guy? Like, is there a whole open road tribe somewhere? That's all dressed the same. Like, do I even give a shit? Yeah. Like what, 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 what is the, idea here i don't even get it like of all the stuff that dj or roach or whoever wrote this piece of shit of like all the stuff that they've done that i have loved i just don't understand this like i don't understand like yeah. is there something kitschy or funny was this some inside joke back in the writer's room like because if they're the if, in on it. Son I don't, of madness and son of havoc like if they're from opposite biker gangs they wouldn't be wearing the same fucking clothes you don't have the hell's angels and the vagos dressing like each other or the fucking mongols or something you know what i mean like i still think i still think stolman won a bet so they so he had to write like three minutes of airtime for a month of tv Oh man, I feel like I, I want to believe that Stolman could do better than this. Even like if you got your one opportunity, it wouldn't be this. It'd be like a cat fight with Evil East and Sexy Star or something really awful in that department. You know, like, you know, what, you know what's funny is we've already established that Son of Havoc plays video games in the basement with his little person friend, um, and eats bagel bites. You know, it almost seems like you could have worked Johnny Goodtime and his his gimmick was that he was a guy that played a bunch of fucking video games. Like, that would have worked better than this. Well, do you think he'll get a chance outside of this gimmick to do something else? Because obviously, they liked him. They wrote him a bit. You know, he worked some dark matches and got over. I honestly did not even realize that this was him. I, I can't believe I didn't realize that. But, I mean, clearly they liked him enough. They like cross enough to, to keep him around and we still haven't seen what they're going to use him for, but is he going to get something else besides this? Do you think like, is I, there another- I mean, they can always take the mask off of him and have him be somebody else. Right. Okay. Oh, what about this? What if Matt's done and they just kill off son of havoc and just give the gimmick to him? Is that possible? I think that they don't want to piss off the 900 million Son of Havoc fans that cry all the time about him online. Oh, he's eating bagel bites. He should be winning the championship. Look, he was the first 
uh, trios champion. His other trios partners that were clearly carrying the team got hurt. And, and look, he was great. He was great on Tough Enough. I know why he's got fans. He was really, really good on there. He, he had the a lot of heart. The, he was the shit in the fucking backyard wrestling tapes, too. I just don't like the Son of Havoc character all that much. But a lot of people do. And I, I recognize that. But I, I think that even the people that like it don't want to see two of him. Well, and that's what I'm saying. I think there's a place to go with that character. I think there's angles for him. I think he does have a place. I just don't think this is it. This is not This is not good wrestling. This is not good TV. Uh, I feel bad for both the guys because both the guys seem like quality workers, but this just doesn't do it for me. Just, I, I don't know what else to say. I know I'm going to catch shit. My phone rang last week when I fucking said some shit. Like, who knows who's going to call me this week? Don't don't be mad. You're Hopefully DJ is too busy man. with big brother. You're a Buffalo Bill voice just cussing you out. Justin, why are you talking shit about my angle? <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. I oh, feel bad about it. But Look, everyone, you know what it is? You know what it is? People feel like I heel turned on them. People thought I was some kind of baby face. People thought I was the nice guy. What they didn't understand was I just genuinely liked all that other stuff. And when it got to a point where I just genuinely didn't like it, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to tell you. You know what the, the secret is, Justin? The secret is to just be an asshole all along, and then you can say whatever the fuck you want. I'm not, I, I just keep it real, man. If I like some stuff, I'm going to say it. Like, look, all of my friends in the DM shit on stuff all the time, and I'm still, I'll still chime in with like, yeah, guys, I really like that. And they'll call me a dickhead and whatever. Like, yeah, sometimes I am the baby face. I like a lot of stuff. I like people putting in work and I, I can appreciate people's effort and whatnot. But I can also say, I don't care how much effort you put into Son of Madness. I don't like it. It's not good. Get rid I of it. it. I hope it wasn't a lot of effort. Jesus <laughs> Christ. I don't know what. Well, yeah. clearly the costume people had to like make one okay. mask slightly bigger than the Thanks. other one. They do like a 12-hour writer's meeting. We need to think of something for Kevin Masterson. What do we got? Do you, oh, think, do you think that they went to Matt Cross and asked, hey, you know that backup mask we gave you? Give it back. You almost made the vodka come out of my nose. <laughs> oh, that would hurt. Yeah, it doesn't feel good. Um, I don't know. I just I, I have to move on from this, but at the same time, I'm so – so angry that this angle even exists and that I even have to talk about it and that I was even standing there and I saw my, you know how I said the other day that the thing that gave me faith in Lucha Underground was seeing that image of myself at that one taping and I was like, yeah, that guy who's standing there loves it. Same thing this week, this episode, I saw us, all three of us sitting right there and we're like doing this half-hearted, lousy clap like, what the hell are we watching? We're still clapping. Because there's still people working and we respect the work, but this isn't good. <laughs> there's like no good reaction shots of us. There's no fucking, yeah, lucha, lucha. We're all just like golf clap the whole time. They could, they could have just superimposed these guys are not signing off on this shit under us. Yeah, we can't. We couldn't co-sign it. Like, and, and as much as we wanted to give it the benefit of the doubt, it was like in person. It was bad. Watching it on yeah. TV now was bad. The backstage segment with Dario last week didn't do it for me. Like, I, I don't know that there's a segment, a backstage bit, or anything that can actually make me appreciate this gimmick ever. I just don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I hope it doesn't go too long. I just hope it goes away. All right. What so, if, what about what if Son of Madness? squashes son of havoc next week just obliterates him then it wouldn't even count for the tournament there's no reason for it 
Yeah, you're going to mess up the Cueto Cup, and like, there's just ah, ah. The rest of the Cueto Cup was so good until this moment. It just really, really sank a lot of it for me. But I want to um, see, I want to see Son of Madness just fucking murder Masquerita. Like, if he just like fucking pile drove him off the top rope or some shit through like ten tables, I'd be on board because that Rabbit shit Tribe, was- Rabbit Tribe might have something to say about that though. We'll see. Hey, I don't know. They're, they've kind of taken a liking to Masky. Um, well, all right. To protect them. Ricky Mundos, Ricky Mandel mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is having his intern tryout for an assistant position with the uh, worldwide underpants ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he gets squashed by Prince Puma. And I kind of liked yeah. it. Prince you know Puma what? doesn't even take off the hoodie. Totally. I say this again. Cause I think this is amazing. I've been seeing Ricky Mandel wrestle since like he kind of first started. And this guy has the best ring gear at all times. Like even when he was first starting, he had like awesome pants. I don't know who makes his gear, but it's like next level shit. Well, look, I mean, I think the simple fact of the matter is if you carry enough bags, you learn who all the best tailors are. He earned this man. I've been seeing this guy wrestle on Indie since for like 10 years. It feels like, I don't know if that's a legit number or not. Ricky, I kid it's kayfabe. It's your character. You're a bag carrying character. It's okay. Right. It's, okay. It, it's crazy. It's crazy when you get to be an awesome skeleton and that's a step down from the, the level of gear that you already have. Look, the guy's a solid worker. Um, he certainly knows how to take a bump. And if not, then Puma's just a really, really mean guy. Um, My favorite which, part come on, that, as much as much as I love Sinestro del Muerte, uh, Trace was our favorite skeleton. Come on, let's not mince words here. That's oh, also hey, take true. it easy. Take it easy. My favorite part of the match wasn't aired. Your favorite part of the match was that it aired. <laughs> it was. It didn't make TV. Oh, why is that? What part of the match are you speaking of, Byron? Yeah, I know. Oh, the, part of, shit. the part of the match when Puma is introduced to the ring as Johnny Mundo. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that happened. Are you yeah, talking about a little exactly. Melissa Botch? How do you remember? How do you remember Melissa Botch's uh, over sixteen months later, Byron? This one was very specific because one, Mundo wasn't even in the match. I could see calling Ricky Mandel Johnny Mundo, but she called Puma Mundo. Because a guy was going to come out later who looked like him. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is funny. Yeah. I, I like still, it. I still remember the one from Ultima Lucha Dose. I'm not going to lie, though, dude. I buy a whole lot more Modelo now because of her. I really do. Is that wrong? Yeah, that makes you a fucking mark, Justin. It does. That's fine. I'm a mark for beer and pretty ladies. I don't even <laughs> want to get mark. I'll be a mark for those things. I really so, don't want so to get every ad is targeted point. specifically towards Justin. Let's uh, let's put it that way. But okay, what was what what was the next match? Because like okay, Puma won in two seconds. This was a squash. We were saying bring back the squashes, and we just fucking got one, so we're happy. Yeah, and I didn't I didn't mind it. Yeah. Um. Uh. So there's a backstage promo with uh, Ray Ray and Daj, as we like to call him, Dragon yeah. Azteca Junior. Um, you know, and Ray's telling him I, I came to see you tonight. And then uh, Puma Dark, Puma Dark A steps in to challenge Ray for when he wins the whole tournament and Ray wins his fight. There's a lot of ifs. Like, why are we talking about this, Puma? You want to fight 
Ray, go fight Ray. But you're saying you want to fight him for the belt at Ultima Lucha Trace after you win this match. And if Ray wins his fight with Johnny, too many ifs, guys. Way well, too you many know ifs. What? You time. know what, Prince Puma? If Grandma had balls, she'd be Grandpa. You know, look, I, I will say this, and hopefully this person is listening to the show. Uh, somebody mentioned to me that uh, somebody who's close to Lucha Underground mentioned to me that I asked them if they were mad about the the Prince Puma thing at New Japan. And this person said that, no, they weren't mad at it at all. They were happy that he's finally learning how to use the stick a little bit and maybe cut a halfway decent promo to which I just burned. I laughed my ass off at it. But at the same it time, like a promo. what the New Japan one? Yeah, he actually it like, halfway makes sense. Like uh, he was trying to rehash his fucking Twitter dig about the underground fight promotion that's keeping me away well, from you guys. I mean, thing. what he was like, talking about was silly. Why what he was talking about was silly, but he he went he got on the mic, talked with conviction, and also the whole actually what well, this is a New Japan note. The whole weekend, the mics were really hot and they were feet uh, do, uh, giving feedback, and so he uh, he had to fight through that a little bit, and he still stayed on topic on point. It was a good promo. I mean, it was a little yeah, silly. I feel, but like, was just... I feel like it was talking to you the whole episode with all the feedback. But you know what? <laughs> I I want to say something, and I hope that this person is listening to the show. Hashtag King Sid. Wow. Never going to happen. The man, the master, the ruler of the world. Anyway, like the Puma thing... Trevor, Ricochet, King, Prince, whatever you want to call the fucking guy. Remember when we asked if we can do the jerk-off motions, Byron? Yeah, yeah um, but you already missed it. You already explained the whole sudden madness thing. You could have saved all the words and done the the winking motion instead. Puma, Puma, the most mic time he's gotten on television ever was literally last week in the big fight promo when he was talking about Ray. That is, if you count words the most he has ever said on a television program in ever in the history of his entire career in wrestling. That's the most he said on television was last week in the fight promo. Um, the guy needs stick time. He needs to work on it. If he's got machinations of being in WWE at some point in time, like look, Shinsuke is starting to lose his heat because he can't cut fucking promos over there. You mm -hmm. know, his, his half English, things that they're writing for him that he practices phonetically all week and delivers backstage in five takes are cute, but not really getting him over. And a lot of casuals are kind of like, huh, who's this guy? I'm supposed to care why. And honestly, Prince Puma is not that far behind that or ricochet, whatever the fuck you want to call the guy. Like, dude, work on your fucking stick work, please. Like you're a great wrestler. I, I, I will still support him to a certain extent. I'm going to bust his balls about whining over Lucha Underground because I think it's funny, but the people at Lucha Underground aren't even mad. They understand why he's pissed. Like, look, the guy could be on TV somewhere else and he's not. He didn't uh, take the money truck that they tried to back up to him. It wasn't big enough for him and it's not going to be big enough for anyone. Lucha Underground doesn't have that kind of money. So if you get to the point where you really think you can get that somewhere else, go somewhere else, but don't complain about your no compete clause. Everyone who's on TV signs a no compete clause, man. That's the way it goes. Like you can't go do a similar product to what you're doing the next day. Everyone's going to hold you under contract. You can't be fucking Bryant Gumble and do a morning news program and end up on, you know, Good Morning America the next day after you leave today's show. Doesn't happen. You got to wait don't it out. Let, don't let the temple door hit you in the ass on the way out, motherfucker. 
And honestly, I'm I'm happy for everything that that Puma gave to Lucha Underground. I enjoyed every yeah. bit of it. I popped for the guy. It was great. If he needs to move on, move the fuck on. Great. Good for you. You know, you know what, Justin? If you enjoyed him Cerro Miedoing me in the face, you're just an asshole. I did. I did. And I am an asshole. Anyway, all right. Enough about Puma, Ray, Dadge. Uh, next week, who do we got? Who's Mill facing next week? Who's he got? I know we got Sammy Taya, Phoenix, and Marty. And Mill versus somebody. I don't even remember who is, he's fighting. Is Mill, is Mill even going to make his match? I don't know after what week? fucking Sammy did to him. Right, right. Um, did, did Sammy, did Sammy, um, was he the one who stole the six grand out of his room? Ooh. Well, that was his housekeeper. We'll find out. <laughs> Mill Mertes got robbed. Wait, everyone's getting robbed. EO failed her physical? What the fuck? IO failed her physical. EO, yeah, she failed her physical. So she's not in WWE. And she has to get like neck surgery or something. Maybe. Or take care of her neck. It's her neck. Didn't Pentagon get robbed out of a cab last week too? Yeah. So all the luchadors are getting mugged. We talked and, about that. And all the Japanese wrestlers are, are missing physicals. And these things surprise anyone. No, no, Hojo's fine. She's she's already got her new name, uh, Kiri uh, Sane, and she's gonna debut. Why am I talking about WWE shit? Fuck you guys. God damn it. We gotcha. <laughs> we gotcha. You think they'll let her do the elbow because the Prince ripoff is doing a top rope elbow now? Oh god! You know what? Her fucking elbow was the best elbow in the wrestling business of all time. With apologies to Randy Savage, it's that good. It's better. I, always, but, I feel like Casey should off. always have a barbed wire bat with him. I feel like his presence means more that way. I think so too. I think. Um, so too. All right. So the last match: Dante, uh, Dante Fox versus Dragon. Did you guys see him teleport? That shit was amazing. He dropped a leg on the outside, knocked his opponent outside of the ring. Two seconds later, covered him for a pin. Fucking nuts. Uh, Katrina, what the fuck? Someone's stealing your gimmick. Okay, so let's explain. There was a good solid five minutes or so edited out of this match, especially the rest hold yeah. stuff and the, uh, the, the waiting outside of the ring after the big moves. So any um, semblance of psychology was completely removed from the match. Well, or or just literally like oh, we just killed ourselves for you people. We're going to take five minutes before yeah. we do another one of these. But we are going to do another one because Dante, AR, whatever the fuck you want to call Mr. No Social Media, that dude's crazy. He's bona fide Dragon Aztec is pretty fucking crazy too. Well, and this was, you know, he was returning from an injury. Like we already knew he was coming back, but at the same time, we were all a little tentative about it. Like, Oh shit. Dragon Azteca versus Dante. Hmm. One of these two guys is just getting over some shit. Like maybe this isn't the best booking ever. Like give him somebody's, give him sexy star. It's in the same you day. Know what, though? I fucking loved the booking of this match because every single person talking about this match is like, oh, Killshot's just going to fuck Dante Fox out of the win. That's not how it happened. They not subverted the fuckery. Fuckery. And it was awesome. And Dante Fox gets to go to the next round because Dante Fox is my second favorite wrestler in Lucha Underground. 
behind the great Pentagon Dark, who is number one in all of our hearts. Uh, he's quickly he's quickly taking over probably my number one spot for Lucha Underground. It's probably Dante. But that's just me. And and mm-hmm. Pentagon's a solid two or three. And kill shots what? right up there too. What the fuck? Two or three? Yeah, somewhere in there. Maybe. You know what's really great about Dante Fox is that he does the matches and you like him. And you go, I like what he does in the ring. I pay to go see a show. He has, he's on the show and he does well and entertains me on the show. And then you don't go home and, and see him on social media and find all sorts of reasons to not like him. Yeah, yeah, because I can think of somebody whose social media is the reason I never want to hear them. It's just, it's, it's, it's just. And you can give them all the gloves you fucking want, but their social media presence just makes Some me kind of mad. So I stopped following that person, and and but everyone tells me about the drama, and I find it entertaining. I find it really entertaining. Oh, you're talking about them, those two. That those two yeah. are funny. Yeah, yeah. One of them has a <laughs> career because of her boyfriend. But you know, I'm talking I about know what you're talking about. I mean, does she have a career because of her boyfriend or because no, of her boyfriend's wife? Who's on the show first? So it doesn't even matter. Is it uh, weird? Is it weird that someone would make a Beauty and the Beast t-shirt with, I don't know if I can finish this. No, don't, don't finish it. <laughs> it's hilarious, but don't. And um, I don't even want to talk about this because we're not that kind of show. We're not That's a true. gossip rag. We're not. Oh a- man. And you, I mean, do you know how many inside baseball things I could have and should have probably said tonight that I haven't Byron? Oh my God. That's the best one yet. All right, we're gonna just move on. Gonna move on. Anybody who knows who we're talking about should enjoy the shit out of that. And anybody who doesn't, we're not gonna finish that thought. Um, Dante so Fox and Urban are probably laughing right now. If they're yeah, I, I would think it. so. I do think. I do think uh, um, it might be linked on Reddit, but the uh, Ethan Page, the ego, whatever tweet about indie wrestlers um, acting cool like they actually are selling tickets. Um, he has a. No, it, it goes with what Cross was saying too. Like a lot. Like those two things together are pretty, pretty nice picture of the indie scene right now. I think yeah. not a positive picture, but a picture. Well, Cross is Cross is different too because Cross is a guy like you know when Byron and I went out there to FSW. Mm-hmm. He had literally helped book that show and bring a lot of the talent in. He's not a guy who's yeah. trying to keep the spotlight just for himself. He's like, no, no. Like these other guys are my friends. I've worked with them in some other places. Like I want to bring them in too. I want like I want to share whatever we've got going on here, and maybe to help us get a little bigger. Yeah, serious. Well, I mean, he had he had his FSW guys on that super show, and so basically he got those guys on a show with like the Lucha Underground champ. Yeah, I just want to tell I just want to tell Mister Cross that I'm not the one fucking up all the kayfabe right now. It's these guys. I'm just saying. I'm saying. I'm not saying he's nice. not a psychopath. I'm just saying he takes care of people. I'm just, and I'm just oh, saying yeah, it's nice that our right? image. He took care of Tejano pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, he took some popcorn out of his eyes. Yeah, some good it's shit. It's nice that our image of Dante Fox is pure. What we see and acknowledge of him is what he presents to us on the shows that we watch him. 
But do you think that he's that he's hurting himself by not having any social media presence whatsoever? I mean, I like, I honestly, come on, he's getting he's getting lucky that he even got called up to Lucha Underground. Like, how did Lucha Underground even find him? Now, you know what? Yeah, it, no, it's cool that he doesn't do social media. I fucking like it because you know who didn't do social media? You no, know doesn't the fucking Sid? Undertaker? Sid does social <laughs> I've media. Seen, I've, oh, seen like, I've seen the Undertaker at like uh charity 5ks with his wife on instagram dude no that's that's fucking mark calloway dude that's not the undertaker mark's got <laughs> mark's got handlers though case like seriously i gotta say it's even lucky that somebody at lucha underground saw some of yeah. ar's czw stuff and that he got the phone call and i'm gonna assume it was through either puma or Killshot or one of the other guys that personally knows him and has his private cell phone number because honestly i don't even know how the guy gets bookings and you don't see him on a lot of indies either hey unless one of those other guys that knows him personally is on the card also you don't see ar fox conan told me he has a cell phone so it's he just doesn't want bothering him so you know what it's i said does this guy have a cell phone and conan says yes he does so there you go I understand that, and I don't, I, and I know he does. I mean, he does still get booked, but I literally, mean, we have literally seen him talking on the cell phone outside of the temple. He just doesn't, you know what? I think he had a flip phone. Yeah, he does. He hits a burner. It's a burner. That number, that number might be different next month. I'm telling you, if one of his boys is not on the show already, you won't yeah. see him. And for some reason, he doesn't give off. Uh, <laughs> Dude, and, and he he is getting more bookings he you know like he's fucking tag champions of phoenix right now that's fucking dope Over but i'm eight. telling you it's because of lucha underground now because those dudes are dragging yeah. him out they're calling him yeah. up like dude come on come do a show we need we need another body on this show it's either kill shot or or ricochet or maybe even penta calling him up and dragging him out or maybe phoenix who knows maybe phoenix maybe they're bros but you know what there's something there's something that hasn't aired yet that's going to make him get a lot more bookings. And look, uh, you you've heard us say it a million times on this show. Dante Fox by the end of this season will have blown your mind, and if not, you don't like wrestling. You heard us say it. You heard Evie Dub say it on this show. You heard DJ talk about the guy. Like seriously, and this was honestly this match was where all the believers started to realize, like I already knew as soon as he came in, cause I had seen the CZW stuff. I hadn't seen some of his other stuff, but I saw most of the CZW stuff. I already knew like when he showed up, I was like, oh snap, AR Fox is here. This dude is super dope. I was like, uh, and I'm still surprised that he's using the Fox catcher as his finisher and not the sliced bread thing that he does off the the, the rope flip thing. I like, I like the Fox catcher more. Well, yeah. he's doing. He's still doing that. Uh, his other finish, his CZW finisher, but he's doing it mid match, and a lot of times it's a blown spot or whatever. It's which is kind of fun seeing if you've seen his his career before now. Um, but so I already knew he was dope. But this match was the one where I f- I feel like especially the Latino fans really started to give him his props. Like when they saw him take it to Ray Horse, like that changed a lot of people's minds. And yeah, because it it's a good match. His- his debut match got kind of fucked up because Evie got hurt during the match. And, um, you know, we got to see his attack with kill shot, but they shot that like three times. So people are like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And, but yeah, uh, there is still the best is yet to come. And I don't mean that by 
like hyperbole or anything like it's legit probably one of my favorite moments in the history of the show that he's involved in and it's legit one of the coolest things i've ever seen in 30 years plus as a wrestling fan yeah i mean it's just good stuff like there's no and it's not even spoilers at this point in time we have to tell you this because mm-hmm. you have to watch and you have to pay attention every time that you hear Dante is going to be on Lucha Underground. You need to watch it for the rest of this season, period. If you're a wrestling fan, we are doing you a favor by telling you this. I won't blow the storylines. won't tell you exactly what's going to happen. I can only tell you you will enjoy it. And if you don't, something drastically went wrong between when we saw it live and the edit. Like a few things in this match, but it's but, you know- a solid match. There's so much cool shit that happens that I don't even think we could that could happen. Like it was that good. Holy shit, man. It's like I I literally cannot wait to talk about this on the show because it was so fucking fun. And it's, uh it's good stuff. Like it's just simply good stuff. Um yeah. oh hey, so I gotta shout out who uh Andre yeah. bought a t-shirt too, right? I gotta shout out my boy Andre Nichols. Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. Oi, oi, oi. Is he even from Australia? Fuck yeah, dude. Sure. He looks exactly like Crocodile Dundee. Why are you doubting me? Shit. Why wouldn't he be? Let's see. Yeah, Justin. Why wouldn't he be from Australia, oh, Justin? Oh, shit. Paula. Paula got a shirt. Drequan got a shirt. Yeah, that's that's, that's Thank you, guys. Yeah, yeah, Paula, thank you. Paula. We shouted out Paula twice. She's getting extra, extra shout outs. Some dude named uh, Kevin in Las Vegas. Um, Thank you, A guy Kevin. named Byron bought some Thank shirts. You, Arturo. That's one of Kevin Cross's boys. He got shirts. Uh, these are the people that have my heart because they keep this show on the air. Fuck yeah, Arturo. We hope you stick around and you're still listening to the show, even though Kevin's not on right now. Oh, because- look, J- Joe Pepe. You know who Joe Pepe is, right? Yeah. Oh, shit, man. I wish we had a graphic prepared of the Undertaker drawing that he's not banned anymore because he he actually go go on his Twitter, go on mine, whatever. I fucking retweeted it. I think the MMM show account has retweeted it. He actually went and got his little crayons. He drew the little picture of the Undertaker with big dick bulge. Drew Paul Bearer in the corner. Drew the Taker symbol with the hearts around it. Said, I'm sorry, Casey. And um, by by Joe, aka Meatloaf, age twenty nine and a half, he put that all on there. Look, he's still a Cuerno fan. Fuck him. You know what, Justin? I just want to. I can't express enough the amount of power that I feel that I made someone ocean away, get some crayons, and draw the Undertaker's package, and spend time out of their life drawing the Undertaker's junk and giving it detail. That's power. Yeah. Yeah, he was just shading it in all the shadows. Yeah, you can see like where the dick and balls separate. So probably, I didn't look that closely. I just knew it was there. Oh, my other shout out is for for Rachel. I think her last name's Lamoth or Lamothe or something like that. Um, Rachel was a first time listener last week. She was asking on um, she was asking on Razor Cabron's thread something about tapings and how you go to tapings and this that and the other mm-hmm. thing because i think she's coming from across the country and i was like oh well you know maybe it, was, it might change next year and you know uh because i think razor was saying that the show's going to come back in october which sadly i don't think it is at this point but that's neither here nor there so rachel 
was just kind of shouting the whole thing out. And so I was like, oh, we'll listen to one of the EV dub episodes we have. So she listened to that. And now she's listening to the striker episode and blah, blah, blah. So she's also the reason, though, that I, I did uh, some digging today and called a bunch of my contacts to see what was actually going on with Lucha Underground to see if I can get some official quotes on what's what the haps is. So look, um, at, this guy, look at this guy being all nice and doing work yeah. for people. If people ask me shit, I just say, I don't know. Fuck you. Well, I was really, I was more curious about what the, what the ticket setup was going to be for this year. And that question can't be answered because the, the, the question of when they can even get back into the temple officially, I don't think is answered yet. I mean, it's like, I personally want to volunteer myself to come up with a better, uh, ticketing system at the price of me getting in all the tapings as a VIP. I well, you know, you the reason why I pointed her to that episode is because you heard Evie Dub was teasing us and he did not give us any uh, off camera information that day about um, he was asking, oh, what would you guys pay for tickets? And we were all like, well, yeah, especially if it means I don't have to fucking wait there at six in the morning. I'd rather pay for a ticket. But would I if there's only 500? How fast are those going to fucking go? Yeah. I like to pay. I like I to said, be on a list and said, pay Eric, for a ticket. I Can said, I do Eric, that? I'm not paying for shit, Eric. I buy enough of your merch. Nah. Do you? Have you gone to the eBay store or wherever they're selling merchandise now? Okay. It's an eBay store. You can't see me on fucking eBay. eBay store. The fucking Young Bucks are selling shirts and Hot Topic in, uh, nationwide, not just in a few Hot Topics. So I got to ask at this point with where merchandising is at, why didn't they do a deal with Mass Republic? Mass Republic that's now international. Mass Republic yeah. that clearly has their shit together um, and represents the genre and is beloved in the indie circles and especially for, for American Lucha Libre fans. Why didn't MGM Lucha Underground, the LLC, why didn't they do a deal with Mass Republic? I'm oh. so baffled. Like, there's got to so be some Justin, heat there, right? Justin, you heard the story? Are you, or do you seriously not know? I don't know the story. It was I, don't, I, I don't know. This does not, this does not paint Lucha Underground in a great light at all. And um, if you work on the show and our friends, please stop, stop listening now. Um, but I've heard that they were promised this spot because they gave up their rights to AAA so that Lucha Underground could be a show. So this is on the triple A side of things. See, I think we I think we know who fucked everything up, Dorian. But uh they gave up the rights and then I I saw Kevin at the temple the first taping I went to. Kevin was there and he was talking to people and he was meeting with people and nothing fucking happened. And wow. I yeah, and I definitely saw Kevin. I knew it was him. And uh, now, no. Nah. And I know AAA has been a constant thorn in his side, sending him fucking cease and desist whenever he tries to sell merch. And it, it kind of sucks. I mean, it's not really my story to tell. This is just what I've heard from a bunch of different places, and I'm kind of mushing things together, and I might not have them all right. But, hey, if Kevin wants to tell the story, he can come on our show I wonder if he would come on and tell the story, though. I mean, I know he's a nice guy. He just, you know, he likes to take care of the workers and, and he's just trying to make, you know, good things happen for his own brand. But yeah, I got to say, it seems like it would be a pretty synergistic match between 
those two companies. So that's kind of regrettable that uh, that that never really came to fruition because it, it would make sucks. sense. It'd be a perfect fit for the two companies. It feels like a really nice guy got douchebagged here is what it feels like to me. But well, but he's also one of these guys that's a great shameless self promoter. And if he had access to the Lucha Underground brand, all he would be trying to do is make it cool on the indie scene. Dude, have you seen the shit he's selling on 80stees.com? Like, it's those awesome. Lucha Brothers shirts are fucking amazing. And and the classic Lucha stuff. And I mean, 80stees is a big site. I've been shopping with those guys for like 10 years or something now in... Like, I, I know who they are. I see fucking ads for them places, you know? And it's like, well, yeah. That combined with the international shipping that they've got going on and stuff right now, and, of course, the uh, Glenn Goberti uh, dolls that they sold out of already. Oh, those were dope. I wish I could have got one. Oh, man. Yeah, but they were bootlegs signed by the actual guy. They're not really bootlegs, dude. But oh, look, they've got to do some more at this point. If Glenn's that over, they got to do more. Well, and he has so many, had so many different outfits that they could do in paint, paint applications, you know. But um, all I got to say is 80s tees is a lot bigger deal than a fucking eBay store. Okay. That's all I got to oh, say. It's a shame. Um, all right, so I got to end with a quick WWE rant. Um, it's not even a rant. It's, it's so minor. And it's, Casey, this isn't even going to bother you because I'm not even going to really talk about anything that's going on with WWE specifically. Story WWE story. Hey, Justin, can I, can I do something first before you... Yeah, what's that? ...the listeners by talking about WWE? Oh, this is a quick one. Go ahead. Fire Pro World comes out Oh, Monday. God. Okay, guys. How come I'm you don't have this? What? Oh, um, I didn't... I didn't suck the right gigs, apparently. Uh, no, um, I'm not known for making edits or anything like that. I'm not like a public face of Fire Pro or anything. So I didn't get an early copy. Uh, I don't care because it comes out Monday. And so next week's show is either going to be me talking about how great it is or it's going to be me crying because it didn't run on my computer. One of the two things. Um, so hopefully it's going to involve a lot more face off because they took the week off on us surprise. And I was yeah, going to look did. for the show and I was like, whoa, 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 what happened? Where's, where's my face off? You know, it's, yeah, I, I was a little sad about that, but it, it fell on the 4th of July. So that's why they took the week off. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, well, who didn't take the week off was WWE. Um, the the SmackDown thing was just despicable and awful this week. It was all this American versus foreigner hate, um, it, like to a new level. Like this was this was worse than the Sergeant Slaughter turn back in the day because that was just one guy and one angle. Every single angle on the show was like some um, we're gonna play off of anti-foreigner sentiments stuff. It was just ridiculous. Do uh, I want to ask what they did with Nakamura? He was okay, but he cut a okay. really awful promo. What they did with Nakamura was let him talk. They tried to give him stick time. Not a good look. A bad idea. Anyway, that's that's my whole thing about that. I don't even have anything else to say about it. It's a 4th of July show. It's a holiday show. Probably only half the viewers saw it anyway. My bigger issue is Raw. When exactly did WWE forget how to do a fucking go-home show? What? Do they have a pay-per-view it, coming up? Yeah, this weekend. 
the the great balls of fire pay-per-view was on sunday monday was the go home show what a dumb name i don't even care about the name but i just like what they don't Dude, sell our, our, anything. Our, our Twitter homeboy Kenton Lane's going, but he doesn't like podcasts, so he's not listening to this. But he's going to that show. I mean, it's kind of cool that they're doing like, huh? Great balls, balls of fire. fire. It's kind of cool that they're doing a fifties theme. I fucking love fifties shit, man. Like, if you show I don't me find a the theme in the promos at all, honestly, I, I I don't think they're that bad. And and at least you know Jerry Lawler got uh, the music licensed to them, so it makes some sense. At least they're using the actual song. Yeah. Jerry Lawler, not Jerry Lewis. No, Jerry Lawler hooked up WWE with the Jerry Lee Lewis family to get really? the actual rights to the song, from what I understood. It sounds like you're making that up to cover for your mistake, Justin. But no, not at all. No, no is, they, it they, because, is it because Jerry Lawler and Jerry Lee Lewis are the same fucking age and they knew each other growing up? I bet it's, that's it. It's it's the Memphis connection there. He's actually Jerry Lee Lewis's grandfather. <laughs> wouldn't that be he was named after him he's jerry also he's like i'm named after my grandpa jerry lawler regardless byron am i crazy was that not the the rumor that jerry lawler helped uh broker that deal that's what i heard yeah you think i know you think we're crazy casey but these the wwe universe is is strange and weird and stupid it's so jerry it's such a it's such a timely reference to broker a deal for it's just why it's so weird it's like well, no, i don't, yeah, I don't get it at all like i don't get why you first you know it's just you know, wants to use something with balls in it i heard that the, i heard they, that the kids they, are into the rock and roll music pal oh do you they, know they, any uh, they, rock they and roll musicians it. pal ah uh, he's gonna puke pal ah uh, ah uh, you gotta get sick you gotta get sick pal ah uh, take your happening? panties off if you're sorry <laughs> Byron, what were you saying before uh, Vince McCasey took over? I'm not even sure. No, uh, I, I, what I heard was they picked the name, and then they had to, and then you know, then it got busted, and they had to pay for it. It was like a very quick thing. Gotcha. Well, look, not, not anywhere but, near the amount of pops in the fucking chat room for my Vince McMahon impression. Jesus Christ. It's late in the show. Nobody listens this far unless they're on like triple speed on the podcast version like four days later. Anyway, my whole point was the art of the go home show has been lost. And it's not even just with WWE. Like you look at UFC. Remember before they would go to the pay-per-view when Rogan and Dana used to yell at us to make us buy the pay-per-view. Like these things used to matter at some point in time. And I think it's the network that's causing WWE to do it. Like the go home shows used to be some of the best shows around that would yeah. make you really want to watch the pay-per-view and really see what happened next. Now it's just like, uh, blah, blah, blah. Like they don't even add stipulations to matches at the last minute or anything. There's no real heat. There's no beef that makes me care on the go home show anymore. The whole, and then the, the show match. after, no, just like Tony yeah. gates it anyway. Like, why are we having that, blow off matches? Go ahead. Did you think Stone Cold was gonna fucking die right before the show? You know, like they do some crazy shit, or they have The Rock fucking turn face on the go home show so that he could turn heel on the pay per view and become the corporate champion. That was fucking gold. Yeah, they you would know? do stuff like that. Like I believe when when Austin drove out the beer truck and sprayed everyone down the first time was a go home show too. Well, like, the, the, the Undertaker, was they were trying Undertaker to, fucking 
choke slammed Kane through the coffins with their dead. No, Kane choke slammed the Undertaker through the coffins with their dead parents, even though they later said that the parents were cremated and their ashes were inside the urn. Fucking continuity. Yeah, I noticed Vince, motherfucker. Like the go home show, this is when Braun should be flipping over the ambulance. Like, but the go home shows are the pay per views. I guess because well, but then the the, the pay per view, they do the match, they blow off the match, and then they redo it again on the following Raw. Yeah, or like with the with the Money in the Bank that you know the two weeks later on SmackDown they redo the whole thing with just a slightly better version of the finish that they should have kept the whole time the first time. I don't think they were going to redo that until people died. They're using like, pay-per-views to drive the the TV shows to get more TV ratings. It, it's, just, it's reversed. Well, it's yeah, so, because they don't get actual buys off the pay-per-view anymore. They just keep people on the network with them. It's just weird to me, man. The, the art of the go-home show is lost. It's one of the things that, you know, even, even with TNA going into Slammiversary and... You know, New Japan didn't really have any go-home moments to get to the G1 special. I, I, it's just gone. I, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Like the the business, some things about the business shouldn't change. The go-home show and the art of a good go-home show was one of the things I always appreciated about the business. Like a business that could drive me to get it for free every week and still once or once every other month or whatever, still get me to pay 40 or 50 bucks for a pay-per-view. The art New of the go-home show is lost. New Japan has, don't they do, Casey, you'll probably know better, but they'll have a big show and then they'll have a road to the show type yeah. of show. Yeah, they do that shit all the time. Fucking DDT does it too. And right, they, they, did a fucking, they did a great job building up Speedball's title match. Um, because they do this, he works heel there, which is awesome. This whole gimmick's about how like he's polite to the champion, but he's so fucking disingenuous about it that he's like he's clapping, but he keeps doing it just a little too long to be annoying, you know. And then like you know he's smiling, but just a little too much, you know. It's fucking great. And uh, he does. He did a promo saying, "You know what? You call me." You say that I'm always going to be a challenger to your title. So that means if I lose at the at our match, I'll just wrestle you again. So I've got nothing to lose. It, yeah, it's great. And he did lose, unfortunately, but it was a great match. He had to – it took the fucking Generico Brain Buster to take down Speedball. On How did we talk this long about DDT without bringing up the apartment match? Because that was a long time ago, Byron. A little you too long. You talk about it every day. <laughs> we'll definitely have to let Casey talk more about DDT next week. Because guess what? For this week, we're out of time. We've gone over three hours already, guys. We're out of time an hour ago. Thing real quick. This is relevant. You're welcome, chat room. There's a WWE thing going on right now. It's really funny because... Um, on the on the web series uh, Being the Elite by uh the elite the elite the elite the elite cody elite. cody just started yelling fuck the revival and now it's i just stopped uh, i just love that press conference that they did and so where, um, they just yell it all the time and fans yelling at him all the time and the bucks are in on it too and now there's like 
uh, Twitter, there's almost a Twitter feud because of it, even though like the Bucks would love to work with them, but they're also like, fuck the revival because they're polar opposites. And there's the hashtag FTR. And someone tweeted at one of the revival guys because no one knows who they are. And, um, and the guys and his reply was like FTR question mark. Like he, he had, it's not even on his radar. He doesn't even know. Okay. That okay. The revival, the revival is guy that looks like Sammy Zayn in the video game. And you like the brain busters, but yeah. Uh, and and stupid facial hair guy. So it's stupid facial hair guy and bootleg Sami Zayn. Those are their names. I like right? the revival, but I also think you know old school Matt based whatever guys guys who advertise no flips, and then the, the guys, guys too young to have such stupid fucking facial hair. Like you got to be grizzled to have facial hair like that. Like he's like twenty years old and has like a fifty year old's like fucking facial hair. It doesn't work you don't that even way. Know how to grow a beard, Casey? You're just upset and jealous. I, I'm not trying to not grow a beard. Funny just, because he's getting tweeted FTR. And he has no idea what it is. And then he probably like, thinks it's a former president. He probably thinks it's like a Fourth of July kind of thing. It said, "I don't even know where to begin with this." They're like FTR, the president, Vince Franklin, Delano Roosevelt. It's funny. It's like a one-sided spark feud with the revival, and the revival isn't even in it. Yeah. Well, when yeah. WWE. Good times. Hey, how Fuck. about how about that Roddy Strong title match? Be cool, be cool, and stay in the mix. Dude, the we have, wait, I have to shout out Urban too because Urban reminds me that he bought a shirt once, and it was that that weird yellowish batch. He got the PP Touch shirt. Oh, that's great! That's great. Urban, Urban, thank you for supporting the show with your PP Touch shirt. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Urban, thanks for coming out and seeing us last weekend. You dick. I, I didn't. I can't even talk. J-Man was in town, and I couldn't even fucking break away long enough yeah, to go say what's up. I the, whole, the whole time we just talked about how much we hated Justin. It was the fucking weirdest thing. I fucking deserved it. Cross is mad. I didn't go to bar wrestling. I could have had a ticket to New Japan too. I, I, I really, I really did hit Byron in the dick with some nunchucks. That's not. He did hit me in the dick. It sucked. I know. I know. You hit me in the balls. It sucked. I want to give a shout out to Strider Snake. Um, who got really drunk and lost his phone. And Strider needs to buy Snake. this Strider shirt. Strider, it, right? Snake, Strider Snake needs to buy this shirt, the white MMM so show shirt. Byron, I'm sure we'll post a link later. Everyone needs to get this one now. This one's the new hotness. Hashtag kill your friends. Hashtag kill your friends. I want to give a shout out to certain certain someone who got kicked out of the hangout, the, the bar everyone's hanging out at because he was too drunk. And then the next day forgot. Was Brandon there? He was there, <laughs> but he wasn't hanging out afterwards at the bar. I want to give I want to give the shout out to the Bruce T rep that gave me the free shirt in Little Tokyo. We went to lunch. I want to give a shout out to Man for eating the noodles that I suggested and saying they were good ass noodles. I felt like I made them myself. I was so proud. It was a great Josh Pillow in New Japan, Long Beach. I'm sure he'll. Byron, did you like the noodles? Wait, wait, wait. Are you telling me that that show wasn't too long for Josh Pillow? Come on, it's like a four-hour show. We had a great time. Josh Pillow got fucking drunk. 
There's no way he's listening to the show right oh, now. Oh, there's he no way he's listening to this five. part unless I give him a link that goes directly to the end. I want to give a shout out to the drunk guys from San Francisco who were telling us that this is going to be Wrestle Kingdom 18 because it's going to be the year 2018. I want to give a shout out to the guy that you guys asked if he watched Lucha Underground and he said no, it fucking sucked. Yeah, Danny is like, you should watch Impact. Yeah, we almost, we almost just choked him out to put him out of his. You should have, you know, you should have taken one for the team. You should have given him a fucking Pentagon armbreaker. And I'm disappointed. The guy literally kept popping his head out from behind the the bench that were you know the seat whatever. To pop maybe the only thing he's ever seen head. on maybe the only thing he's ever seen on Lucha Underground is the Son of Madness match. Maybe maybe, maybe he would pop his head out and go, "Hey, do you think Samoa Joe's going to beat Brock Lesnar?" Hey, maybe he, was, uh, like, he, he only he saw his head like, pop out because he was a puppet, and you were talking to a muppet this whole time, and it was. Fucking Jim Cornette with a Muppet on his hand. Yo, check Say, this out. I want to give a shout out to really that. a blow up doll and that little girl. You ought to be tarred and feather for that shit. I want to oh, give fuck. a shout out. I just out. looked at my DM. Clearly, I have said something tonight that I wasn't supposed to because I have gotten blown up. Uh-oh. No Uh-oh. one DM'd me. Anything. I, might, I might be in a little bit of trouble, guys. I want to give a shout out real quick Whoops. to the guy who after day one... Uh, we're all hanging out and stuff and he walks up to me and goes, Hey, did you enjoy the show? And I go, yeah. And then he goes, great. I have a podcast. And he hands me a business card of his podcast. And then so I had um, cards later, made. what's wrong with that? And then later on at the bar where everyone's hanging out, he just walks over and puts his card on the table and slides it towards me. I got, I had two cards nice. for the students. It, podcast. You know, it is, it is great to hear that J man is still promoting the last real heels podcast. I told J man, he needs business cards and he needs to is keep that. Is that what we're missing? We're missing business cards. We should All have right, business look, cards. We got to get out of here. I got to go. Um, okay, Justin, go get in trouble. I've got a, I've got a reply to, uh, I wonder if there's anything I can say at the end of the show that might smooth things over. Um, let me say this. Triple uh, A is great. Lucha Underground is great. I love Univision and El Rey Network and everybody at Pop and all of the employees in Connecticut at World Wrestling Entertainment Sports Entertainment Incorporated Products. And I want to say I want to say on behalf of Justin Harvey, I'm sorry and I love you. And dear Demetrius Johnson, I would still fight you in the street and I'm not afraid of you. <laughs> I want to say that I want to have a last word, even though I have nothing to, pr- to contribute. Stay What's your last word, Byron? I'll let you do the outro this week. Are you I, are, finally after 67 episodes? I'll let you do the outro. Don't oh, fuck it up. Shit, Byron, be cool. Stay in the mix, brother. Keep it crispy. That's the wrong podcast, but it's also really long. Enjoy your burrito. Can you just do the outro? See, this is why I don't let you do the outro. Just let me see you. Here's your chance, Byron. It's you. Do the outro. Hey, and that's the bottom line. I'm trying to do talks over me. Does he not understand the concept of what's he happening? He talks over me every week, too, and yet somehow I get it done. Dude, you know what the button it. is? Stay cool, you dumb marks, and stay in the mix.